What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 94 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am getting pretty excited for the National Hockey League All-Star Game. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and his team finally, they won three out of four games. Frank, how we doing? Hey, four out of five. Whatever. Give them a little more credit. Four out of five, whatever. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Both of our teams are on a little bit of a heater, eh? Uh, yeah, they are. Devils have been playing very well lately. Absolutely. And that's probably going to be the first bit of hockey thing we talk about. Guys, girls, whoever's watching, we have a huge show here today. I would put this in a top five category of any show I've ever done, any sport, any topic. Of course, coming on today's show, as you've seen on social media over the last couple days, the great Aldo Gandia has helped us promote it. You can see his comment here about supporting in the chat. Make sure you thumbs up, follow us on Twitter, all of the above. Aldo nailed it. We have former NHL all-star and beloved figure in the league, John Scott, coming on the show Today, he will be here in the third period, ready to discuss all things hockey with Frank and I, and I'm very excited about this show. We have Tom in the chat saying, nice to see you, nice to see you too. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we are excited to have each and every one of you here today. Frank, I think it's time we start talking a little bit of pucks, subscokes, subscokes, in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, we got a little bit till John Scott shows up. He's going to be getting here in the third period. Very, very, very excited about that interview later on in the show. The first thing I want to talk about, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. I asked you a couple weeks ago. Again, again. I asked you a couple weeks ago, are the New Jersey Devils starting to come back down to earth a little bit? They had had a tough two-week stretch there. Is there a team in the NHL so far this season besides the Boston Bruins that hasn't had a tough two-week stretch? There hasn't been. Every single team in the league has officially had their lull, had their hot moment. Every team's going to win 25 games. Every team's going to lose 25 games except the Bruins. It's what you do with the rest of the games on the schedule this season. The New Jersey Devils are back. Yeah, they they really are. They've won five games in a row. Uh, in a row, you know, we talked about how good they play on the road and four of those wins came on the road. So the struggles really come when they're at home, but they've really been able to find the back of the net lately in the five games that they've won. They've had at least four goals in each of them. And that was a big problem in their little lull. They weren't able to score willingly as they were early on in the season. Um, But now they got a tough test tomorrow night with the Seattle Kraken, who've been fairly hot as well lately. So that'll be interesting to see um, if Vanacek could, you know, shut the Kraken down. Um, But I like what I see from them. And uh, I think not necessarily getting right hot at the right time. You want to get hot probably with like 15, 20 games left in the season, but it's definitely a good time to be a Devils fan. Absolutely. I want to see them just play well all season long. You don't need to win 13 in a row. Don't care about any of that anymore. Once you start getting up there and you're like having a chance to break franchise records, then you're like, all right, I hope they do it. I hope they do it. But now I'm just like, play well, get into the playoffs. According to moneypug.com, they have a 99% chance 
to make it to the playoffs, according to their statistics. The only team with a higher percent is the Boston Bruins, who, according to Money Puck, have a 100% chance of making it to the playoffs. I don't really know how you could have a 100% chance of something because you have to leave yourself a little bit of an out in case, like, Bergeron, <laughs> Pasternak, and Marchand all get hurt and the team just goes to hell in the second half of the season. I mean, I, that's unlikely. Of course, it's unlikely. Everything, you know, is pointing in the direction of them being, like, a cup favorite. But, you know, the Devils, they're very good. I like what I see. Jack Hughes... You follow Dom from The Athletic on Twitter, Dom Lashizen. He is a wonderful, wonderful hockey person to follow on Twitter. He makes these player cards, and the player cards are for people who like normal statistics. They're for people who like advanced statistics. They're also for people who like just driving conversation about certain players. He did a player card for Jack Hughes, and – his player card suggested that if he were to hit the open market right now, he would be worth $15 million based on the fact that he's on pace for 49 goals and 50 assists for 99 points. And that's as a 21 year old. Okay. What's he going to do when he's 28? So, you know, getting paid eight mil is an underpayment in a lot of ways. I, he's just been absolutely magnificent, and he's getting better as the season goes on. Seems like he has two points in every game. He played like absolute dog poopy against the San Jose Sharks on Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. and he scored a game-tying goal with nine seconds left. He did. So, and he sure has been outstanding. He's point per game, brat point per game. So, the things are rolling for the Devils right now. You touched on the goaltending. I'm excited about that. You brought it up. Their next game is against the Seattle Kraken, who have, without question, been one of the best teams in the NHL this season. I really don't think there's any denying that. You thought they were going to be competitively bad. I agreed with you. Then we started talking about them being a lottery team in like late November. We're like, yeah, they're not going to keep this up. I actually think they're closer to being a lottery team than they are a playoff team. Well, I'm out on that. Okay, I firmly think they're a playoff team. Not only are they a playoff team, they're now two points behind the Vegas Golden Knights for the top record in the Pacific Division. Frank, talk to me about this Vegas Kraken battle. How pissed off are the other teams in the Pacific Division that these two teams that didn't exist five years ago are now battling for the top of the division? Well, here's the thing. The Seattle Kraken are playing phenomenal hockey right now. They're on a two-game lull. Every team goes through it. Big game against the Devils, let me tell you. This is a big test for the New Jersey Devils. If they could beat the Kraken, because I feel like the Kraken are hungry now after coming out flat for two games. They haven't been able to score like they did on their eight-game winning streak. Um, So this is a big test for the Devils. But with that being said, they're just too inconsistent. And the thing between them and Vegas is Vegas is finally getting healthy right now. They get Marshall back. They're getting Eichel back. They're, you know, this team's getting healthy again. And when they're at full strength, we know how deadly they could be. I mean, look at last year. They weren't at full strength, and they missed the playoffs, and then they come back this year, and they're first in the Pacific Division. But when you look at the Kraken, they don't have what Vegas has. I would go out and say that the Seattle Kraken have a 0% chance of winning the division. I would say there's no chance that they win the division just because they're too inconsistent, and they don't have that X factor on the team. You look at their team. Here's their top six. You got Burakovsky, Beniers, Eberle, Donato, Wenberg, McCann. That's not a top six you're going to win a division with. 
It's just not. They don't have that X factor. Their biggest X factor right now is Martin Jones, who is playing out of his mind. Or at least he was in that eight-game win streak that they have, which, by the way, they became the first team um, in NHL history to win, what was it, seven, at least seven road games of seven or more on a road trip or something like that. So, I mean, that's pretty fantastic too. But like I said, without Martin Jones, they don't have that X factor. They don't have what it takes to win a division. They don't have a Pasternak. They don't have a Kane. They don't have a Crosby. Ben Years is playing fantastic, obviously. He's an all-star. But is he that X factor right now? I, I wouldn't say so. They don't have the core to win a division. So I would go out and say that this is Vegas's division to win. Seattle's going to come down to earth a little bit. And while I do think they're going to be a playoff team, I don't even think they're going to finish second in the division. Very interesting. The Pacific division is certainly very interesting. I know they are on a two-game lull. Edmonton figured it out against them yesterday. I'm trying to remember who they lost to on Monday. They lost to someone. They beat Chicago on Saturday. They lost to someone on Monday, but I'm drawing a blank. It might have been. I don't remember exactly, but... You know, I think I have some notes on them because they are playing the Devils. I tweet about the Devils' next opponent frequently. And their leading scorer is Burakovsky, who has 37 points. McCann is their leading goal scorer with 22 points. And I also wrote, watch out for Maddie Beniers, who has 17 goals, 19 assists for 36 points in 44 games played. And then one of Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer will be in the net. I'm assuming it will be Martin Jones just because Grubauer and Jones split the back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday. But I will say this. Vegas really didn't have an X factor in... 2018 19 either or it would be 17 18 um wild bill had 40 goals but he only had like 68 points or something like like he wasn't like a game breaker all around make everyone around him better he was a product of a high shooting percentage some pretty good playmakers around him and he potted 40 tucks and you know listen i think vegas is going to win the division too but I, I kind of like how Seattle does. They don't have a point per game player, but they have everybody contributing at a relatively decent pace. They have more above average players than every team in the Pacific Division except for Vegas. But the Kings have Kopitar and Doughty and Fiala. Whereas, you know, even a bad team like the Ducks have Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry. And, you know, I think of the San Jose Sharks, Logan Couture, Timo Myers got 25 goals. Eric Carlson's going to win the Norris Trophy, but they're way lower than Seattle in the standings. Why? I think it's because Seattle has more above average bottom six forwards than a lot of the teams in the division. I do think it is going to go Vegas, one of Seattle, one of the crack, one of the Kings, two, three. That'll probably be the first round. I think it will be an extremely exciting First round, unless Edmonton starts going on a run here. I know they've been playing a lot better lately. McDavid will have 40 goals by their, our next show, I assume. Um, I legitimately think he might get to like 65, 70. I mean, I'm this guy. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not putting a, I'm not putting a cap on anything McDavid does. I'll argue with Ovech, about Ovechkin or Crosby or Hughes any day of the week. I'm not getting into any McDavid arguments just because like anybody who thinks they know is just wrong. Uh, I talked about it with a pal of mine last night. 
if McJesus wanted to score 100 goals and just refused to pass to anybody all season long, I legitimately think there's a chance he could. If he went into next season saying, I want to score zero goals but have 150 assists, I believe he could do that. I, I, I'm being dead serious about this stuff. I'm not arguing about McDavid's potential point totals anymore. Now, Frank, another team in the Western Conference that I wanted to get to here, the Colorado Avalanche. They are the first team out of a postseason berth in the Western Conference right now, but they're not within a game or two. They're a couple, they're five, six points out now. Yeah. And I'm here to ask you, as a fellow person who predicted them to win the Western Conference in the regular season and perhaps the President's Trophy, time to hit the panic button? No, not at all. Not worried one bit. They're actually four points out, but they also have three. They're three games in hand on Calgary and two games in hand on Nashville, which are the teams that they're currently chasing right now. Um, they've just been playing really inconsistent hockey. They lost to the Blackhawks and they lost to the the Canucks. And uh, man, the Canucks are they're a dumpster fire right now. But they beat teams like Ottawa and Detroit, which is like okay. I mean, you're supposed to beat teams like the Vancouver and the Blackhawks. Those are key games when it comes down later in the season. When you're two points out of a playoff spot and you look back and you say, hey, we lost to the 32nd place Chicago Blackhawks, then it's like, whoa, that was the different difference maker in our season. And it's not like their top guys aren't producing. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, they're all producing. It's just the other pieces of the team that haven't really clicked yet. Nikushkin's back in the lineup. He, he's a big factor. I know Nathan McKinnon made a comment that there's only one Nikushkin. And it's right. First game back, they get a win. Back in the lineup, it makes a difference. Didn't net any points, but it doesn't matter because his presence on the ice and the stuff he does to you know mess around with the other team and get in the passing lanes and stuff like that make a difference. And they won their first game back. Also, not many people remember how much of a key piece Kadri was to the Colorado Avalanche and them winning the cup. This is a man with 35 points. He's got 17 goals and 18 assists. If the Colorado Avalanche had that back on their team, we're talking about they could have six to eight extra points right now. And we're not even having this conversation on our podcast because they're well into a playoff spot. I mean, they've, they've gone through it. They've had a lot of injuries. They lost a lot of people in the off season. This is a different Colorado Avalanche team. I did think they were going to win the division. I did think they were going to win the Western Conference, but I didn't think they were going to have a year like they did last year because last year was something special. But this is a team that kind of reminds me of Tampa Bay, a team that may finish, they might get hot, may finish fourth, third in their division, right? Make a playoff spot, but then just make a run to the cup. That very well may happen here. So we'll see. I'm not hitting the panic button by any means. Because I think the the standings right now are a little fabricated. And I'm going to use that word again when we talk about the Blackhawks later on. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think there's no reason to worry if you're a Colorado Avalanche fan. Very interesting analysis. We said the same thing about Vegas last year and about Tampa Bay bef- the year before they won – like a record-breaking games when Hedman and uh, Stamkos were both hurt and they just kind of missed the playoffs by a point. But here's the difference with Vegas last year and Colorado this year is Vegas had a lot of injuries last year, and they really never got healthy. 
but the Colorado Avalanche are having players come back and they're getting healthier. They are. I agree with that. I just, the team as a whole hasn't been so consistent to me that I'm, I'm not just because of the laundry that they wear thinking like, oh, they're just going to make it like they're the avalanche. Like I am, I'm worried. I am worried personally because I look at what I'm seeing. They're 22, 17 and three of the teams that aren't in a playoff spot. They are the only one with a positive goal differential. That could arguably mean nothing because the Minnesota Vikings were the third best team in the NFC this season, and they had a negative point differential because they won their games all close and they lost all their games um, by a lot. But, you know, that, that happens sometimes. Like the Kings are well into a playoff spot, and they're the only team in a playoff spot in either conference that has a negative goal differential. So, I mean, that stuff arguably means nothing. It's about winning games. Listen, if Colorado sneaks in at the end, of course, they're going to be dangerous going in. Um, I, it just wouldn't surprise me very much if the Avalanche missed the playoffs by a point or two. It'd be a little bit surprising. But then again, you know, it's it seems like whenever a team wins a championship, the next year they come out flat. So is this another case of that? I mean, it could be very well, but I, I just – I don't know. I mean, those games in hand are – it, the the standings are a little bit deceiving right now. I mean, yeah, you see them out of the playoff spot, but they've got a, three extra games and two extra games on teams in front of them. And you look at every team in the Western Conference. They got some of the least fewest games played in the entire Western Conference and maybe even the league. I haven't checked the Eastern Conference, but yeah, those points will make a difference. And if they had those three extra games played, I think it'd be a lot closer than people think in the standings. Yes, the defending Eastern Conference champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the defending Western Conference champion, Colorado Avalanche, are tied with the Chicago Blackhawks for the least amount of games played in the NHL at 42. I will say this. The Western Conference has eight playoff spots taken, and then there are three teams, so 9, 10, and 11, that have a chance. I believe Vancouver – like. I firmly believe Vancouver, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, and Chicago are dead. Um, that final wild card spot will go because I think Edmonton's about to get hot here. I really do, personally. Um, I think that final wild card spot is going to go to one of Calgary, Nashville, Colorado, and St. Louis. Personally, from a don't like non hockey analysis, like not using my brain, just pure hopes and wants. I would pick the Predators because I just – I don't really like the Predators like more than any of the other teams, but I just think I like their brand of hockey a little bit more right mm -hmm. now. Uh, Calgary just seems flat, and I'm not getting a battle of Alberta if they make the playoffs, so like it's not like it's about that. If I was getting a battle of Alberta, I would choose Calgary. But um, St. Louis, boring – Colorado, St. Louis is right where I pegged them. Yeah, like right on the bubble. Right on the bubble. And they'll probably be there all year long unless they start trading off pieces, which is possible. But from I don't think they got down, a shot to make a, the playoffs. No, and they'll, they'll probably sell. Yeah, I can see them trading O'Reilly. Yeah, I could see them trading O'Reilly or Tarasenko. Um, I kind of think people underestimate losing Vince Dunn to the Kraken two years ago. I know it didn't hurt him too much last year, but like – you're down all these players now, and you're relying on – last year they had 
what, 15 double-digit goal scorers. They, like, led the league in that. Like, that was nice. You're just not getting that quite as much this year. And Tarasenko's hurt, and O'Reilly hasn't been the same. Not saying all these guys are done in their careers. They'll probably move on and, you know, get a second wind. Like, age is just a number sometimes. Look at Joe Pavelski. He's Dallas' second-best player. And I just think, like, with the way Jason Robertson's playing, a guy like Pavelski can be that 38-year-old stud who contributes here and there. There are guys on the Blues that could go on and be that elsewhere as well, but they're not carrying the load anymore. Robert Thomas, really good young player. But the Avalanche, I think – I do think the Blues, they have a chance because of their point total. They're tied with the Avalanche in points. But I would bet on one of Calgary, Nashville, Colorado making it to the postseason if I had to pick one. Um, Or is Jordan Bennington a fraud? I would say no, because he was good for more than just that half season. Is he a fraud right now? Um, I wouldn't career-wise. Oh, career-wise? No. Is he elite? No, he was. I'm not calling you a fraud if you were at elite, elite for at least three years. He was a very good goalie for like about three to four years. And basically from the time he got called up to the end of last season, he's been a very good playoff to caliber goalie in the NHL. I I, I hate Jordan Bennington as a dude. He hates women. Like he's made some very horrible tweets about things in the past, you know, regarding women and whatnot. Bad dude. Good goalie for the last however many years till now. The Blues play okay in front of him. They don't play great in front of him. His life isn't easy. He's got an anger issue. He tries to fight everyone he plays against. Mm. But, no, I'm not calling him elite right now. Could he get back to that? Sure, because goalies are weird. There were a couple years where we thought Marc-Andre Fleury was done when he was in Pittsburgh. And then he goes to Vegas, finds a second wind. If Bennington went to another team and had a 9-10 save percentage for two straight years, I'd be 0% surprised. I really, really wouldn't not think twice about it. But right now, I would rather – I'd rather Bennington than like Marazic or Stalock. That's fair. Uh, I wouldn't rather him than Blackwood or Vanacek. Um, all Mark Swayman, I'd rather them. You know, some of these like good but not big-name goalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I stand on that. The Avalanche. Frank, Chicago Blackhawks won. You said four of their last five. Yeah. Um, not awesome in the tank wars. They have since passed the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Um, they are tied for 28 standings points, but the Blackhawks have two fewer games played. Um, they're one point behind the Anaheim Ducks and five points behind the Arizona Coyotes. We're probably looking at, at worst, the fourth, fifth overall pick, and depending on how the lottery goes, but. Uh, yesterday, the Blackhawks defeated the, um, what are they called? The Buffalo Sabres in overtime. And the Ducks lost, but they picked up two points the night before. The Blue Jackets lost to the Predators. The Coyotes beat the Red Wings in a shootout. So that gave them two points. The Habs won. That gave them two points. The Flyers are no longer in the lottery conversation as of right now with how hot they've been. I think they've won nine out of their last ten. Don't really have them as a lottery team right now. Um, but yeah, yesterday wasn't the greatest day for the tank wars, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Blackhawks and what they're doing lately. 
Well, I, yeah, I want to touch on yesterday's game a little bit. They're down 3-1 to one to Buffalo. And that was one of the best games that I've seen Seth Jones play this year. He was absolutely playing out of his mind. At, he was playing as an all-star level defenseman. Do I think he deserves to be at the all-star game? No, not at all. I don't think really anybody on the Blackhawks deserved to be an all-star. But that game yesterday, he looked like an all-star. And he, I mean, he, he looked great. And not only him, but I think Philip Kurashev played one of the best games of his NHL career, to be honest with you, in that game. Um, I'm shocked that they came back down 3-1 to one against Buffalo. Given how well we think Buffalo is and will be, and that, that that's a big win for them. And, you know, if you're on the Tankathon bandwagon, that, that's bad. But ultimately, that was a very good win. In my eyes, nothing has changed in terms of them getting the number one overall pick. Once again, the standings are a little fabricated. They got two games in hand, and I, I think they're still going to finish 32nd in the league. You know, I, I went to Tankathon, the website Tankathon, and just for curiosity, I wanted to see where they had the Chicago Blackhawks at, right? I know a lot of people have been doing mock drafts online and, you know, lottery sims to see if the Blackhawks will get the first overall or whatnot. Well, they got, if I was reading this correctly, they have the Blackhawks at the third best odds at 11.5%. I strongly disagree with that. They have Columbus at a 25.5% chance. I strongly disagree with that. And I, I don't know where they get these numbers because statistically, if you're taking games in hand, the Blackhawks are technically in 32nd then, in my opinion. I, I don't think like those two games in hand may make a difference. Yeah, they, they may jump them a little bit, but having the third best odds and not even like the second best odds, to me, that's just a little surprising. And I'd like to hear your take on that. Um, the problem is they probably look at the schedule and like what is ahead of you the rest of the season? How many more games do you have on the road? How have you been on the road? There's probably so much more math. Blackhawks have 62.5, of their remaining games are on the road. Yeah, so that makes it harder. Or that right. it depends. The league, the Tankathon might see that as easier for them, though. I don't really know their home versus road record. Like if Tankathon saw that the Devils had 62 more game, percent of their games on the road, they would probably use that as a favorable argument for them. Like whereas a team like Boston, that might be a detriment to their point percent prediction. Um, Skoke says that midseason, I can't believe that the Hawks aren't the worst team in the league. I'm not worried about the tank. Well, and, and so that's what I was going to get to after talking about this, right? So, yeah, you said the Hawks have the third best odds at the lottery, best odds mm -hmm. based on Tankathon, and it was Columbus and the, uh, the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was Columbus and, and I don't know who it probably was the Ducks. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we have a little bit of a special guest getting ready to cop on the show here. We're actually going to make an adjustment, Frank, instead of getting ready for our guest in period number three, we are going to wrap up period number one and send everybody over to period number two. Welcome to period two, where we are getting ready to bring on one of the great people in the NHL history books. 
I was such a huge fan of this guy when he played. I loved how he played with heart, with passion. It was clear that he loved playing the game of hockey no matter what role he was put in. And then we had a little bit of fun, and we saw him get voted into the NHL All-Star Game in Nashville. For those of you who remember the great times, we're talking about former NHL All-Star, former Chicago Blackhawk, John Scott. John, how we doing? Could John Scott hear us? I don't know. Hello? I can't hear you, boys. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> John Scott, can you hear us? We're trying to figure out John Scott's audio here. I could hear him, but he can't hear us. Yeah. So I assume that's the same with the uh, viewers as well. Yeah. Um, that's funny. That's fine. <laughs> John Scott. So yeah, a little a uh, little bit of a different plan here. Uh, I mean, we could finish period one and period three and just make it like lengthy or whatever you want to do it. Uh, no, we'll we'll get back to what we were going to do in period number one yeah. in period number two. But whenever John Scott is ready, we'll bring him in and talk to him. But he'll be able to hear us soon enough. I mean, what teams did John Scott play for? Chicago, Minnesota, Arizona, San Jose, Buffalo. We got Aldo in here now. <laughs> probably didn't need to say that but it's just funny it wasn't ex- i thought funny. that was john scott <laughs> that um, funny. anyway yeah he played for blackhawks montreal right he, the, i don't think he played a game for montreal I thought and one we're gonna game, one game with montreal that was the seven. Oh, okay he played one game they... with montreal that that actually makes sense. Is he here? No. So we got Montreal, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Minnesota. What Buffalo. Else? Buffalo. He actually played the most amount of games with Buffalo. San Jose. That's six. And then you said Montreal? I said that already, though. Did you say the Wild? Yep. Blackhawks? Yep. Um, hmm. Here, Montreal, Wild, Blackhawks, San Jose, Buffalo, Arizona, Coyotes. We're missing one. I honestly don't remember. I don't either. I'm drawing a blank. That's actually kind of funny. I know. It wasn't Pittsburgh, right? No. Until John Scott comes back, let's actually – talk about something that was going on in period number one. So we were talking about the Blackhawks and their tank, but Frank, the rest of the central division has Dallas, Winnipeg and Minnesota at the top. Yep. What do you make of that? Well, to be honest with you, the jets are surprising. They were both of our surprising team coming into the year. And that's what they are. They're tied for first right now. And there's no leeway. No team's got a game in hand between Dallas and Winnipeg. They both got 59 points, and the Wild, who started out slow, have actually impressed me a little bit that they're jumping and now third in the division. I don't think they're going to contend for the division. I actually believe this is the Jets' division to win. They've impressed me more lately than Dallas. I mean, look at Morrissey, too. I didn't expect uh, Morrissey to have the year that he's having. I mean, the, the players on the Winnipeg Jets team, are all overperforming than they did last year. And that was a big factor for us, for them being our surprise team. We knew 
that they had the talent on their team. We knew Hellebuck could be a good goaltender. We knew Kyle Connor, Shifley could all play well. They're, they, they could, they're all talented, but could they play well in, in an NHL season? And that's what they're doing this year. They're, they're really impressing me. They had a letdown loss to Montreal. They lost 4-1 to Montreal, which like, all right, the red flags go up slightly, but it was due. I mean, the, the streak that they've been on and the, the amount of games they've been winning, you expect to have those lulls, a 4-1 to one loss to Montreal. That just comes with time. That's just part of hockey. Now, the reason I'm kind of out on Dallas is because they've had their fair share of shaky losses lately. I just I don't like what I'm seeing for them. And if they continue that in the second half of the season and the way the Jets are playing, this is going to be the Jets' division to win. You know, I agree with you. I actually do think Winnipeg is the best team in the division, but I'm not counting out the Wild. And I'll tell you Dude, why. They scare me a little bit, though. I don't know. They they do, and I thought they were going to be like a bubble team coming in because of some of the cap issues that they've run into, and they traded Fiala to the Kings to help avoid some of the salary cap trouble. But, I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is unbelievable, right? And I, I was looking at something. Someone bumped Parisi off their Mount Rushmore to put him on. And, like, it's possible he's been that good for them so far, and they have Marc-Andre Fleury, right? And Marc-Andre Fleury Absolutely. has been unbelievable in his NHL career. Um, we've seen him elevate teams to where we thought they might not be able to get to. Joel Erickson-Eck is awesome. And, you know, they have some other really good players, and there's one we're going to touch on in just a second here. Um I like their defense with Spurgeon and Brodeen and Dumba, and they got some really good players there. Um, I I wouldn't give up on the Wild as the potential division champions. They're five games out or five points out with two games in hand. It's definitely tough. Um, I'm with you. I do think those are the three best. I think they will be the final three. I don't really see Nashville or Colorado catching them at any point. Um, Nashville. You want to talk about Nashville? Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll get to Nashville. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, really quick before we move off the wild, I wrote it a little bit farther down on the list, but I meant to put it along with talking about the top of the central. What do you make of Matthew Boldy making seven years, seven years at 49 million? Go ahead. Roast the contract so he can absolutely go on a tear like Tage Thompson. It's, it's actually funny because the other day me and Tom were talking about, uh, the contract. He brought it up and I was like, off the top of my head, I don't know. What type of season Boldy's having? I haven't been following him. I don't know his stats. I know he started off pretty decent, but I was like, I don't know what he's making. And I, it, to me, it sounds like a lot, right? I'm just trying to do a little more research. Yeah, I don't like the contract at all. And maybe that's the spark he needs to just have it. But I don't. It just doesn't make sense to me. And that's why I don't run NHL games or whatever, or like a team, because it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. Um, I yeah. understand. I just I don't like it. He's playing the worst stretch of hockey right now with two points in his last nine games. He's having a regressed year from he did last year. He had bet he was on better pace than he was last year. And you lock him up because of his skill, or you're locking him up because of the potential and the ceiling that he has. It doesn't make sense to me. He's not gonna have 70 points this year, which we talked about 10 points per million. I just don't like the contract. I understand what you're saying. I just think it's clearly an issue of where is Matt Boldy going to go in his career? So you're um, locking him up because of potential. You're giving him a big contract because of the potential that he has. 
Yeah. So like the Devils locked up Hughes at eight mil before he ever had like a forty point season, right? And they have they locked up Heischer seven mil before he ever had a sixty point season, right? All these guys are getting paid before they get the money that or they get paid before they show the worth that they are have experienced in their NHL career, right? Like he sure and Hughes were not worth a combined $15 million when they first signed their contract. Yeah, I uh, get that. And so if Matthew Boldy grows into that role with the wild, I think there's a chance that he becomes worthy of the contract. But what are they seeing here? Because he's having a worse year statistically than he was last year. So what is the potential that they're seeing? Are they afraid to like let him go? They just want to lock him in just in case. Yeah, because if that's the case, to me, that's that's not a good idea, in my opinion. First round talent, <laughs> high wrong. pedigree. No, I know what you're saying. First round talent, high pedigree. There are all sorts of things that are going to the decision. But Frank, we are going to put this conversation about the Minnesota Wild on hold to bring in a former member of the Minnesota Wild, former NHL All-Star, legendary moment in NHL history when he scored two goals in the All-Star game in order to become the All-Star game MVP. One of the funnest stories in the history of the National Hockey League. Of course, I'm talking about former Chicago Blackhawk, former Minnesota Wild, Buffalo Sabres, San Jose Sharks, Arizona Coyote, Montreal Canadiens, John Scott. John? Holy... That was How quite the intro, fellas. Thanks for having me. Boy, oh boy. It's oh, embarrassing man. when you list them off like that. <laughs> how is that embarrassing? You got to play in the in the show for how many awesome teams? It's not like, you know, we're naming off the Rochester Americans or the Kitchener Rangers or any of the teams that Frank and I would get stuck playing for. Suitcase, some people call me, but <laughs> hey, I I I'll I'll take it. It's a lot of good hockey teams. Thanks for having me. It had to be me. fun. It had to be fun traveling to all these different teams and states and countries you played for the i think you played one game for the canadians am i right Just one, one game that's was. right yep so i mean yeah. it was fun my wife hated it she was she was the one who took the brunt of the the traveling because I would just jump on a first class flight and go wherever we wanted to, but she had to just pack up everything. But anyways, we don't want to hear about that. It was fun. Thank you for having me on, you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been big fans for a long time. When I told Frank here that you were going to come on, it was just a big exciting moment in our life. But we're going to start off by asking you, how's it been post retirement? How are you feeling? How's the body? How's it all going for you? Um, the head's good. That's what everybody always insinuates. Like, ah, you got a bunch of concussions. You're, you know, brain dead. No, my head's doing fine. Body's you're not great. You know, my my hip pops out of joint every few weeks and I just collapse to the ground. My hands are a mess in the winter. You know, it is what it is. You play pro hockey for 12 years. That's what happens. But all in all, man, it's it's it could be a lot worse. I, uh, I understand that you have your own podcast, the Dropping the Gloves podcast. Um, very interesting. Obviously, I know where the name comes from. You're a big fighter in the NHL. Um, where, but what is like the meaning behind that? Like, where did all the details come? How did how did it come to fruition? Talk more about it. Like, it it came from well, it came to fruition because I retired, and I got a few offers to go work for the bigger companies. You know, TSN, TSN, Sportsnet, that sort of thing. And I didn't want to move to Toronto for whatever it's worth. My wife was tired of moving around and I just didn't want to do it. So we were like, how do you stay in hockey? Everybody's got a podcast. So let's just start a podcast. And we started it three to four years ago. 
we're big in the States, not so big in Canada for whatever reason, but you know, it's fun. I get guests on, I get to chew the, you know, the fat with all those guys still in the league. I get to meet these rookies. We just had Mo Sider on, we had Seth Jarvis, you know, we get to talk to this young superstars and they're, they're pretty fun. They're a better interview than the, the vets who are just these monotone, incredibly boring interviews. So, but it's fun. Yeah. It's, we had Ryan Graves from the devils on, he was a good guy to talk to. So it's just a way to stay in hockey, you know, what was awesome. the, wait, but I want to, what was the guy you just interviewed from the red wings? Who was it that you had on? Oh, Oscar Soderblom. Oh my God. You had me laughing when you said, you don't think he could bench 300. I thought that was hilarious. I think he's lying. And I, I, <laughs> There's no way because he's six eight. There's no way he puts up three hundred pounds. I think he even said something silly like three fifty. I'm like, yeah. no yeah, way. That's, like that's you're crazy. lying to everybody here, Oscar. But he said he could. So I'm gonna have to go down there and see if it's uh if it's a yeah. fact or not. You got to check the legitimacy of that, John. I think the reason you are so popular in the states is because you're not. I'm not saying they're bland in Canada by any means, but you, you definitely bring something that, you know, is not what we're used to from hockey players in the United States. Um, when I, I went to a Red Wings Flames or Maple Leafs game a couple years ago, and I'm with a bunch of Chicago Blackhawks fans, right? And I said, you're not allowed to wear a Blackhawks jersey. The Blackhawks aren't playing in this game. I'm not standing near you if you wear a Blackhawks jersey. What does my cousin wear? A shirt with your face on it. Nah. And I, I, like you, you resonate with people does that mean I mean, that's got to be pretty cool? It's humbling, right? Because I, I, I think I'm just like you, Vinny and Frank. I'm not. I'm a fan of hockey. I enjoyed watching it growing up. I think I just kind of hit the jackpot and just somehow made it to the NHL, and I was pretty good at fighting. And that's all it was. I was not a great hockey player, but I was, you know, tall and could fight, and I managed to stumble my way through. And then the All-Star game happened, and then I just kind of blew up. So, yeah, it is – it's neat, you know, when you, you walk around a town like Chicago or whatever and people still recognize you and they want to stop for pictures and stuff. It's it's cool. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoy it. So I'm sure you get that now with this fancy show you got here. You guys get recognized all over town in the country. And it's we're just we're the same, you guys. I love it. I love it, too. You got to live out your dream as a hockey fan. And I would sign up for the career that you had because I have no career in the NHL and I rather something <laughs> rather than nothing. So, I mean, it is, it is great. And it's a great story. And I, you, you had a great career in terms of, you know, that you got to live out your dream, but we mentioned that you, we, you played for seven different teams, right? But you signed with the Blackhawks in 2010, 2011 to a two-year deal. What was the feeling about coming to the Blackhawks after they just won the Stanley Cup in 2010? What was what were you feeling like? Okay, I'm going to the Blackhawks. They just won a cup. Am I going to help them do it again? Like, what was your mindset going into that? Well, I was like, let's get sized up for rings. You know, you, you sign that contract, you see the guys who they have on their team. Like, it was a no brainer. I I was about to sign with the Edmonton Oilers. Literally, like, had the contract, two three year deal with the Oilers for more money. And Stan Bowman called my agent and he said, hey, we we want John to come here. We think he'd be a good replacement, you know, fit maybe a forward defensive role. What do you think? And they offered me substantially less than what Edmonton was offering me. And just the fact that you can play on a winner and go and be around that Stanley Cup pedigree, it was a no-brainer. Rather, I go to Edmonton and just suck because that's when they were just yeah. collecting first overall draft picks and they were still atrocious. 
So it was it was exciting. You go there and you want to win, and you're just surrounded by Kane, Taves, Hosa, Sharp, Campbell, Seabrook, Keith. Like it was, it's a murderer's row of talent, and it was fun. Like we we had a good couple runs there. We just couldn't figure it out, and they of course won a Stanley Cup as soon as they traded me. But uh, what are you gonna do? You know, and I've heard from multiple people that they should have signed me and not signed Bowling. I was whatever. I'm not gonna. It's water under the bridge, but it was it was fun to play there for two years, and I still I go back to Chicago, and it's it's fantastic. We have a question in the chat. Have you ever considered being a part of a celebrity boxing match? And if so, who would you like to fight? Yeah, I, I, I've considered it because you see these bozos, <laughs> you know, fighting, and some of them are actually good fighters because I did train. Like as a hockey fighter, I think it's the most realistic fight i know we're on skates but when you look at our punches and you look at how we approach things it's very similar to boxing we don't do the looping you know windmill punches we're straight down the pipe so i I train in boxing a lot with Derek bugard when we were both in minnesota and then after he retired or after he gosh i left minnesota and he we trained in the summer quite a bit but to answer the other question who would i fight like i i think i would I'm older now, but any any one of those guys I think I would do fine against. But I think I, I would jump in with the Revo Biz and keep it all hockey and just go rough and rowdy with those two guys and we could have a three-way and see who comes out on top of Battle Royale. I think I would have the advantage over both of those guys, though. That's hilarious. And when you spent time in Chicago, there were a bunch of people that were able to help anybody, I think, grow their career a little bit. You had Coach Q as your coach. Um Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, is there anything that you learned from any of those guys that you believe you're going to be able to take forward with you in life and maybe even helped you throughout the rest of your NHL career from there? Well, with with Johnny, it was just his preparation and his focus, right? It, it was a different animal. I played with Miku Koivu in Minnesota. He was a good captain, not nearly the level of Jonathan Taves. Johnny was just – did everything. Like even, even mentoring older guys like me, I, I was kind of a hothead, but he took me under his wing and I was like three, four years older than he was. So it was just, uh, it was neat to kind of be around that because you can just, he's a, he's a leader. He's an absolute leader. And Kaner, you just know when to stop drinking, maybe know your limits. <laughs> That's funny. And we, we, before we move off the Hawks a little bit, I just want to ask, this is what's going to separate us from any other show you're going to go on anytime soon. Every Christmas, we watched that video that you guys did of the Chicago Blackhawks music, uh, the Christmas music that you did. And you had your own uh, rendition of grandma got run over by a reindeer. What was it like recording those songs? And <laughs> do you ever go back and just laugh at yourself? It's fun. Yeah. It's year. just, there's no such thing as John Scott or something. I think yeah. it was, or it, it, the good teams get it. You know what I mean? They know how to market their players and they know what the fans and the players are willing to do and what the fans want to see. The Sharks were the same way. It was just a lighthearted thing and you show up and they got everything. They make it dummy proof for us dumb hockey players and they just say, put this on. How much do you want to do? And I'm at my heart just a big kind of dummy myself. So I'm like, let's go. Well, give me, I'll put on a girl's wig and bark like a dog or whatever. Like, I don't care. And it was fun. And it's funny. you That's what I get, you know, noticed for in Chicago. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you're in that, you know, Christmas video. How fun was that? I'm like, hey, really? That's what you remember me for? Not like crushing in this guy's face or doing this or whatever. So the good organizations get it and they market their players in Chicago. They do. They do a good job of that.
See, I think that's why so many people loved you is because you weren't afraid to be who you were and you stayed true to yourself. And that goes a long way. And speaking of that, I know you probably expected us to ask you about it. What the 2016 NHL All-Star game, you get voted in. But what was your reaction when you got the notification call, whatever it was, saying like, oh, I'm going to be in the 2016 NHL All-Star game? How did that feel? Well, <laughs> when I got the actual okay check mark, you can come. I was sitting in a hotel on the road with the St. John's ice caps. So I didn't get the final okay you can go until then. There was there was multiple conversations between the NHLPA, the NHL, myself, my agent, everybody, and then no one knew what to do because I was sitting in a hotel room in like Rochester, like you mentioned, just like, what the hell's going on here? But it was, uh, when you finally do get that, okay. I think it was Matthew Schneider who called me cause he was uh, the head of the PA or one of the higher ups. He's like, all right, you can go. Like, if you want to go, you can go. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. I was like excited because I had been through the whole month leading up to it of them just like getting me traded, getting me sent down all this stuff. And I was like, all right, time to go. Like, let's go have fun. Yeah. And you could be honest. You could, answer this however you'd like but like were you pissed off like yeah. you got voted in fair and square just like crosby wood or ovechkin name the best players in the nhl at the time you got voted in as fair and square as anybody else and they're trying to tell you you can't go they traded you out of arizona just so you can be and not be in the division anymore you're in montreal they send you down to the a which is extreme we were i remember being in college i was so pissed off when this happened i'm like if this happened to me i would throw it hit see fit so well, like you had to be angry well, and there was a lot of stuff behind, you know, the, the doors that they were doing too. But I, yeah, I was pissed. I was just fed up. I'm just like, you guys, I've been in the show for nine years. Like, like, come on, like, uh, let's go, like, let's grow up. And I was pissed. And so to the point where I get to Nashville, the first thing I do is I go to my room and just kind of lay on the bed. I get a call literally 20 to 30 minutes after I get in the room. So they must've had spotters and say, okay, he's in the room. It's Gary Bettman saying, hey, do you want to meet in the lobby of the hotel? Right, right when I get to the hotel, because he's worried I'm going to go scorched earth and just light everybody up once I get on the ice and just like sewer everybody. Because I got a, a laundry list of stuff that they did that I've never told because it's just brutal. And so we, we have a meeting in the lobby and he goes, are you OK? Like, is everything going to be OK? And I'm ready to like just one punch this guy because he's just <laughs> such a weasel. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, like, like what the hell are we doing? Like, leave me alone, first of all. I, I'm sitting in the AHL like for the last month because of you, you douche. And <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, we're fine. I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger man than you, literally and figuratively, and I, I'm not going to cause a stink. And he did the same thing after I won the car, too. I go to the center ice and he goes, great job. Are we still okay? And I was like, I think I said some choice words, but I was like, yes. Like, just leave me alone, man. Beat it. And they were just nervous that I was going to cause trouble. But I was just pissed, wow. but then relieved that I was there. And I can just go go in the locker room, have a beer with the guys, and then go play hockey. Because that's what it was all about. It was about having fun. It was like, it's the All-Star game. It's nothing serious. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. I didn't realize it. Batman was kind of being a dick about the whole thing. Like, oh, I, I mean, Frank, yeah. you have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't like him. By, I, I, no, I don't like Gary Bettman by any means. But the fact, like, 
you earned it. I mean, you were voted in. You earned that right. Then just don't have a vote if they're going to make a stink about it. So I would be upset, too. I would never rescind my spot to be in the All-Star game. If the fans wanted me in, like you said, John, it's supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be a fun time, and that's what you gave them. And I clearly saw when you were out there on the ice, you were having the time of your life. You were, you know, it was a it was very fun experience for you. Um, but did you feel any pressure? Being oh, gosh, there? yeah. Like, Frank. Yeah, it was the most nerve wracking game of my life. The, the <laughs> skills competition the night before I was shaking. I did one event, the hardest shot, and I was sh- like literally shaking. I couldn't even get a good shot off. Usually I can hit three digits like I'm a big guy. If I lean into yeah. it, I get I think I hit 98, 99. And I was like, oh, thank gosh. You know, I didn't come last, but it, every all eyes were on me, you know, so it's just like, don't screw up, basically. So it worked out. It worked as the, the night before the game. I was just the rock star in Nashville. So I, I was late to the game, the all-star game itself, because I went out the night before with Pavs and Buff and all these guys. And I every bar I walk to, I'm head and shoulders above everybody. So they're throwing me shots like in beers and stuff. And I'm just taking full advantage. And I was late to the game. I don't know if I've ever said this, but yeah, they called my hotel again. It was like an hour before puck drop, and I was passed out sleeping because I didn't get any rest the day before. And they're like, oh, geez, John's not coming to the game. He's going to have some kind of protest, but now it was a good time. It was it was a lot of fun. Once I got past that skills comp, I'm like, all right, I got, I got that out of my system. Let's go have fun. Sure. It was a good time, man. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We had some fun. That's awesome. I remember being a little annoyed that they made you wear the black version. Oh, so dumb. So, so I didn't dumb. know that was going to happen until I got there. And it's just oh, wow. typical geek, like just always gets the last say Batman. It's like, just put the Canadians or the Arizona logo on there. Just they do it just yeah. to embarrass me one That's last annoying. time. And I'm just like, I walk into the room, everybody's got their gear, their hats, their sweaters, their their shorts, everything's got all their logos, their numbers, everything. And mine has this stupid NHL logo. And you know what else is funny? I almost tried to put on my I did try to put on my ice caps jersey for the skills competition because I was like, screw you guys. I'm going to wear my ice caps jersey. And I had one in my bag. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. I was like, I'm not going to wear this so stupid thing. It, they're so petty and dumb. And you know, there's, you know, there's no rules for that either because they let Subban yeah. wear a Yager Panthers jersey. Oh, they're they just being Ainsworth. jerks. Okay, yeah. That's they're just so being annoying. a dick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up to me because I, I have a terrible memory. That's, they're just, that stuff. Annoying. Yeah. It is very annoying, and I saw it yesterday because I was Googling some pictures of you to help promote the show, and it's you in this black NHL jersey, and then all the brightness colors of the your uh, Pacific Division All-Star mates and stuff like that, and you know, behind you. It's, it, it is clear that it was an attempt to embarrass you, but was there anybody on the Pacific Division that helped make you feel better? Because I remember watching the game. I'm like, oh, Halsey's trying to get John Scott one, or Brent, Brent Burns is obsessed with getting – John Scott, the goal here, and you ended up with two in the first game. And then I believe you won the second game, one nothing to take the crown as the Pacific Division champions. Is there a teammate that stands out in this? Well, probably Burnsy and Pavs, right? Because I play with them in San Jose, and they they wanted to be on my line. I, Daryl Sutter was the coach, and he said, he's like, hey, Johnny, everybody wants to play with you. So we're just going to kind of rotate you through the lineup. But it ended up where I just played with Burns and Pavs for the most of the, the tournament. But, yeah, Burns, you just said go to the – Go to the net, put your stick on the on the ice, dummy, and I'll find you. 
and he did first shift. I'm like, thank goodness uh, we got that out of the way. But all the guys, like Corey Perry was awesome. And a guy who I've like pounded his head in multiple times. He was super <laughs> cool. Drew Doughty, the same thing. You know, I've speared him, punched him, like everything you can imagine. Like it was just great. The Sedins, when I was with Chicago, we battled them in the playoffs. All these guys I had a deep hatred for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just, you get in the room, they all kind of get what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of pulling for me, so it it was really uh, it was really sweet, so to speak. And they they're just good dudes. That's awesome. Yeah, so I kind of want to take a little turn in terms of the All Star Game because we've been talking about it, but I kind of want to touch a different aspect of the All Star Game. I know right now the format's three on three, which you participated in. Um, but what's your take on maybe having bringing back the draft for the all-star game? And I think that you could have the draft like they used to and still incorporate the three on three and just have four captains of each division and sort of have a draft that way. Or do you just, are you a fan of what they're doing right now? Or would you like to see some changes with it? I don't think anybody's a fan of what they're doing. It's, it's not very watchable. You have to have some kind of carrot for those players to play hard because when they don't, it's just – it's not very fun. Like my – when I played, I think the guys were excited for the three-on-three, three and you could tell it was – like it was a good hockey game. Like our final game was one nothing. Yeah. So it, it's defense. just – yeah, guys were playing yeah. defense. It was just a really good game, and now I don't know what to do, Frank. I really don't. I think maybe I, – I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is. The skills competition is, is not – that great anymore i'm not a marketing guy there there has to be something maybe just offer it up to the fans let the fans make the teams or something like just that would be cool have fun with it see what see what happens they're probably worried about that though yeah there's definitely a a point to like every player from every or one player from every team has to make it too and that's not always well that's a stupid stupid idea too i hate it well because there's and now they do the fan voting for the last three players right Mm -hmm. And so the fact that the Bruins could only have one guy on the team, yeah, they're an one, absolute juggernaut. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a good chance that neither Pasternak, <clears throat> Bergeron, or Marchand are in the All-Star Which game. is insane. It's yeah. insane. Even uh, is, is it Allmark who got in? All, Allmark got in for them, which well-deserved. He's he's yeah. Vezna Trophy leader right now. But you're going to tell me the guy yeah. who might score 60 is not going to be in the All-Star game? Well, even That's the guys like, in the back end, Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, they got a great unbelievable. team. I don't think you should have to have one guy from every team. Because even on my team, Arizona, maybe we didn't deserve anybody. Like We, we were oh. good. but And I'm a Blackhawks fan, and there's nobody on the Blackhawks this year that deserves to be an All-Star. Yeah, who's going for the Hawks? Seth Jones, and he doesn't deserve it one bit. He hasn't done anything. He played the best game of his uh, OT winner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was the best game of the year. That's the only game he looked like an all-star to me, but this isn't kindergarten. We don't have to, like, everybody get a participation medal and everybody's got to at least have one player from their team. I'm not a fan of it, and it actually annoys me. Yeah, and the Rangers are going to send a defenseman to the all-star game that's not named Adam Fox. I saw... I saw a little rumor that Keandre Miller is actually like leading, which Keandre Miller, great player, outstanding, love watching him play. I see the Rangers play quite a bit, but if he gets in over Fox, I'm like, what are we doing here? Fox <laughs> it is doesn't one of make the best sense. Um, John in the chat, Frank wants to know at what point is a fight part of the game or personal? He, that was the biggest, I think, critique of me where I, I didn't have too many fights that were personal where I was just, I was more business-like about it. It becomes personal when the guy's just a prick, you know, and 
there was a few, only a few guys in the league who I really wanted to hurt. And I really wanted to do a number on. And I think you can tell when I fight, I, I just got angry. If it wasn't a spur of the moment thing, like when I fought Kevin Westgarth, good yep. guy. I was going to mention that. Very good guy. <laughs> but he was just doing a number on everybody. He came up from the AHL. I think he was with the, the Monarchs down in the AHL. And he was just crushing guys. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, and I was pissed. I'm like, who does he think he is coming up, beating up all these NHL guys? So I went into that fight really pissed for some reason. And I just, it was a good fight for me, but other fights, there's no jam in it. And you can tell. So I, I was one of those guys where I needed a little bit of motivation to fight. Like when I, Fraser McLaren, there was always that, you know, battle there. I, I really enjoyed fighting him and going against him, but then other fights, I just couldn't get up for it. Like you fight Cam Jansen 10 times and it's like, Cam, you know, oh, you're Cam. not, you're not hitting me, Cam. Like I, <laughs> I get it. You're going to like two minutes and you're not going to hit me once, but I don't know some guys fought, would fight angry all the time, but I just didn't know how they did it. So it's funny that you brought up Westgarth. Cause I was going to ask you about him because you were in a Blackhawks uniform when you fought him against the LA Kings. And that's one of my favorite fights. I think cause you just opened him up, man. He was, he was bleeding and it was, it was a great fight, but do you have a favorite fight or is that just like not something that hockey players? Think no, about? no. My, my, my first one in the NHL was George Peros and he was oh. one of the reigning heavyweights. And I was this young kid coming up, trying to cut my teeth a little bit. And he gave me the opportunity to go. I think he was coming off a wrist surgery the year before. So he was trying to get his feet wet too. Maybe he thought he could fight this new guy and, duck Derek Bugard and fight me and I caught him with the with an opening jab kind of caught him off balance and he regained his footing and I just went straight down the pipe and caught him one right on the button and he down he went and it it, it felt good because like I can hang in this league you know I I could do some damage because Georgie at that time was one of the top three fighters in the league and I handled him fairly well so that was my I would say my welcome to the NHL moment I'm like okay we're going to be fine we're going to be fine here and it, it you know, worked out good. Absolutely. I don't know how much you like talking about the fights in the NHL, but I, there's just one more that I want to hear just a tad bit about before we move on to a different topic. In the preseason one year, you went after Phil Kessel. And I, honestly, <laughs> that video clip is one of the funniest things. I think I could show that to any non-hockey fan, and they would think it's pretty funny because Phil, I think, did, did Phil try to take a swing with you with a stick or something? Well, he didn't try to. Hilarious. He did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, take so, me through it. I think the – the key part is it's preseason. So it's just like anything goes. I don't think I would do that in a regular season. And another key part is they had a very tough team dressed. I was with the Sabres at the time. I was new to the team. So I wanted to kind of set the tone for our team before the game. I told their tough guys like, Hey, if you're going to, you know, start something, look for me. You can't miss me. I'm right here. I'll fight any one of you. It was, or it was McLaren. It was uh, Mark Frazier. It was TJ Bodie. It was uh, Jamie Devane, all very legit, tough guys. Lo and behold, Devane grabs one of my guys, Corey Tropp, small dude, does a number on him. They're scraping Corey Tropp off off the ice. I'm fuming. I'm fired up, like you said, Frank. I'm, I I want to kill somebody. I go to their bench. I'm yelling <laughs> yep. at Randy Carlisle. I'm like, you fat son of a so-and-so. I'm like, put someone on the ice right now. I don't care who it is. Randy, I'm going to beat their doors off. And, and we go back and forth like this for a couple minutes. Their bench is screaming at me. I'm losing my mind. I'm the only tough guy the Sabres have. And 
I'm yelling at Randy. I'm like, you're going to get, you're going to get it. Give me somebody. I'm losing my marbles. So I go line up and I sit and standing there staring at their bench. I'm like, who is he going to put over? Is it going to be McLaren? Is it going to be Frazier? Who is it going to be? And I'm fired up. And then Phil jumps over the boards and Phil knows I'm going to, I'm losing my mind because I've been screaming at their whole bench for a good two minutes. And he skates over nice and quiet. And while he's coming towards me, I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, what do I do? This guy's, you know, should I, he's, he's basically making him call my bluff. And so I go to my centerman. I said, heads up, I'm going to jump Phil and we're going to have some fun here. And my centerman's like, all right, let's go. So I, Phil lines up. I look at Phil. I said, Phil, I got, I got to jump you, man. We're going to fight. And he goes, what the hell? And then the puck dropped and I shed my mitts and I went to grab him and he luckily backed up. Cause I tell you what, if I would have grabbed him, I would have beat the piss out of him. I don't. I, and everybody asked me that. Would you really have punched him? I would have pounded his face through the ice. He was and this I, close to ending the consecutive streak because of yeah, John Scott. No, and I would have. And I was so pissed. But luckily, you can watch it. I reach for him. He leans back. And then he starts hacking away. And then I get just one, two, referee. And then it was a dog pile after that. And it was just, that was it. But that that's the whole reason is because Randy did just put out a tough guy to fight me. That would have been the end of it. But then after that, every time we played Toronto, I would take a run at Phaneuf, Colton Orr, Fraser McLaren, Fraser McLaren, Patty Coletta, Steve. It was a great season. We, It was fantastic. But it was all because Randy didn't put someone out to fight me. That's put out Phil. Sacrificial wow. lamb of Phil Kessel. Can you imagine <laughs> if that was it for Phil? That like ended oh, his Iron Man yeah. streak? Oh, my God. That would have been hilarious. I know. I would have been suspended a long time for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gary Bettman would have probably disliked no. even more. Brendan Shanahan called me right after the game. Right oh, after God. the game. He was head like, of oh, the Department of Player Safety at the time. Player Safety right? at yeah. the time. And I'm like, great. I'm going to get suspended. I didn't even do anything. I threw one punch. I hit somebody in the neck. Like, it was just nothing. Mm-hmm. He calls me. I pick up the phone. He's like, hey, this is Brendan Shanahan. I'm like, I know who this is. You douche. Um, like, what's going on? He goes, I want to suspend you, but I can't. I'm just giving you the heads up. The next time you step across that line, I'm teeing you up. It's and I'm like, you can't, you can't say that, Brendan. I didn't do anything. He's like, I'm just letting you know. I want to give you something, but I can't. I'm like, so why are you calling me? It's, so it was just funny. And then so every, he, every year, yeah. He was a Leafs fan even before becoming their president or whatever it is he is for them now essentially is what it sounds like yeah no he 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 really wanted to give it to me and the the icing on the cake was they had to suspend clarkson 10 regular season games because he jumped off the bench <laughs> just like sewered his whole career as he didn't even do anything fan. the guy jumps off it. the bench skates as fast as he can and stops right in front of me and i'm ready for him i'm like let's go and he just stops and he looks at me and goes johnny what are you doing i'm like david what are you doing He's like you <laughs> Like, let's go. Like, what, what is the purpose of this? You, there goes 10 games and about 200 grand. Like, good for you. Yeah. Man, I feel bad. It's like they treated you like differently than everybody else. And under behind closed doors, not a lot of people realize it. And it's just, it's a shame because you, you didn't do anything wrong. They um, got me on the Erickson hit. That was, that was the next indiscretion where I caught Louie. I still think it's a clean hit. My podcast partner Tim is from Boston. He's like, "You're a disgusting piece of trash for hitting Louis Erickson." <laughs> well, like I was that. gonna ask if you hate Mike Milberry because I, I remember him. that whole thing. I want to get the guy on my podcast. He talk about hypocrite, Mike Milberry. Like pot black, Mike. Like unreal. 
get telling me I should, I don't belong in a league. What is it? I don't know. I could go on for a, a whole hour on Mike Milbury. Yeah. I don't know if you know, Frank, and then you could ask your question. He called you Pavelski and Burns the donut line because you were the hole in the middle. And that made me so angry. I'm like, Mike, you beat a guy up with a shoe, Mike. Funny story. All right. I don't want to keep talking about this, but there was TVs in the locker room airing the broadcast of the all-star game. And we were the second games. We were watching all the stuff and you can hear it. It's loud. And then these NBC cameras come in the locker room. They're panning around the room. And as they're talking, cause it's like a 20 second delay. They're talking about that. And it's like, who's going to win the Pacific versus the Atlantic? And Mike Milbury's like, well, the Atlantic has 11 all-stars. The Pacific has 10 and one clown, John Scott, who doesn't deserve to be here. And I'm watching it. And everybody's in that room, the Atlantic and the Pacific guys. And they're all looking at me. And the camera's panning around to me. And I look in the camera, and I and I was young, dumb. And like, I said, in the camera, as clear as I could put it, F.U. Milbury. And then the camera keeps panning and then it's a 20 second delay. So if you watch it and it's not audio for us and you can see my lips going F you <laughs> to them. And I was like, he's just couldn't, he was like a dog and a bone. I'm like, give it up, man. I don't understand why he had such a boner with me. It was just yeah. like, that's yeah, weird. Um, besides your fights, besides the NHL all-star game, the 2016 all-star game, what is a moment in the NHL that's like memorable to you that you just will never forget? A memorable moment. Gosh, there's a lot. Um, I'm put you on the spot here, but I, I think one of the moments I remember is when I when I signed with San Jose. You, you always want to make a good impression, especially when you go to a new team, and you always want you're you're nervous to meet players, and they had Joe Thornton. The guy was my idol, one of them growing up. I remember getting his autograph when he was with the Sioux Greyhounds, and I was 14. And I, and I go into the locker room, I'm nervous. And the way the San Jose locker room worked is you walked in and then they have an upper level where the gym is. And so I walk in early because I wanted to get my equipment situated. I'm like, I think I'm the first guy there. And all of a sudden I hear from the up, upper deck, someone's like, Big John! And I'm like, what? And there's Jumbo Joe Thornton on the bike, shirtless, no shorts with just compression shorts, sweating his tail off before camp even starts and he's just hollering out my name and i'm like this might be the coolest moment of my life like this guy's a first ballot hall of famer and he's just screaming my name in the locker room. it was just one of those moments where i'm like this is like really cool i don't know that one stands out to me and it's such a weird throwaway moment but i always yeah it was just really cool i love that john as a player in the NHL, was there a favorite road rink that you liked going to? Maybe because the atmosphere was awesome or you knew you got to go to this sick restaurant when the game was over. Is there something pop in your mind right there? Well, as a healthy scratch, it was always crucial for me to know what kind of food was going to be served after the game. Usually it was pizza. Nashville had the best pizza in the locker room. It was called Jets Pizza. Deep dish, delicious. Um, Another great place was Montreal. They would give you the pocket dogs. And I would just literally not embellishing throw down 15 to 20 of those and that was always fun but as for just like fan experience i loved playing in philly i really did i've had full beer cans thrown on me i've had full cups of chew dumped on me in the penalty box i've been called things that i wouldn't say to my worst enemy it's just fantastic like that kind of environment i just i love it thrive under you know you you beat up one of their tough guys and you go to the bench, just double finger salute to the fans. It's just, 
it's great. That's that's hockey to me. Just the passion, the hatred, and the Philly just it oozes from them. I, I I thought it was great. I always wanted to play in Philly. I thought that was a great hockey town. Never did. You know, we had a comment a little bit ago, and it's funny that Aldo mentioned this because I don't know if he knew about what he was saying, but I've heard rumors of a John Scott movie. Am I right about this? And I just want to know if there's anything you could tell us on it, anything in the works. Because I heard rumors about Hugh Jackman being casted as you. And Aldo says, if I'm casting a John Scott movie, here's who I'm calling to audition. Ben Affleck, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Alexander Skarsgård, all over 6'4". But it's funny that he mentions that because you are in the process of getting a movie together, a John Scott movie. It's been in the works for a while, and I, I, I try to stay out of it. But right now, Disney owns my rights and they've been trying to make this happen. We have funding. We have a director. They're trying to find actors to make schedules work out, but that's been the, the kind of the holding pattern for the last two years. Now I, I stay out of it. Mitch album wrote the script. He's a big hockey writer, sports writer in Detroit. Um, Disney's reshuffling everything right now. They lost a gazillion dollars because of all this woke crap they're doing. So they they're trying to just rebrand and, I don't know where it stands right now. They usually every year send me a fat check and I go, okay, sounds good. You still owe my rights. That's to be completely honest. That's all I know of it. And I'm, I'm not blowing smoke, but I just say, I don't want to know anything. Let me know if you need anything from me. Here's my address. Send me a check every year. And that's, that's, that's all it is. So hopefully it hits the big screens one day. And yeah, any one of those guys, I probably wouldn't want Ben Affleck. Maybe I don't know who the Skarsgård guy is, but it's a guy who plays it. I don't he know what that means. Did you see the video of Lundquist getting kissed on the kiss cam the other day? I don't have a TV, so I don't see men unless I catch it on the highlights. I don't. Did, did Skarsgård kiss him? Yeah. Skarsgård, Lundquist, and Ryan Reynolds were at the Rangers Wild game on Monday. I want to say it was. It was either Monday or Tuesday, and. They got to put on the kiss cam as a joke, and Skarsgård kissed Lundqvist right on the cheek. It actually looked like he kissed him with some passion. So I don't know what's going on between Henrik Lundqvist and Alexander Skarsgård, but the three of them seem to be having a jolly old time. Frank says he'll play a guy that that you beat up if you need it. Um, Sounds good, Frank. Hey, I have a question. What do you think of Ryan Reynolds in the Ottawa Senators and Gary's like he has to be a part of the ownership? What do you think of that? That's interesting. To be, I don't know. I don't know the details like maybe you would for hearing from, you know, people smarter than me. I do think it would be good for the game to have an absolute superstar like Ryan Reynolds own one of the teams in the NHL that has had so much owner scrutiny over the last 15 to 20 years. I mean, we had guys in the back of a taxi cab shitting on their owner. And when Matt Shane was there, there was all sorts of troubles with stuff like that. If, if this guy can bring in, some of the positivity that can come to this great game that we love, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, if Deadpool owns yeah. the Ottawa Senators, I don't understand it how would, they don't win multiple cups. It would bring a lot more attraction to the fan base as well, and maybe that's what they're going for right now. Yeah, but I think that would be a huge moment for the Ottawa Senators on and off the ice. You know, I mean, think about it. You could have events dedicated to Deadpool and him, and like he could just. I, I truly believe that he's a person who could turn that franchise around. Yeah, Where, he brings eyes it, to the team. I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, is it the Canadian Tire Center they play? Is is Bell, that play Bell Tire? Yeah, yeah. Tire Bell Tire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
is it a joke of a building? Do they need a new building? I heard it's in the middle of nowhere relative to Canada. It's it's in a terrible spot. Yeah. So they need to, much like Arizona with their Glendale rink, it doesn't make sense to put it there. So, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he could get that done. Um, John, when you were playing, what was your favorite thing to do away from the rink with the boys? Was there a certain club that was fun? I know uh, lots of guys get the fever when they go to Vancouver. Obviously, Vegas wasn't there when you played, but Nash Vegas was always fun. I know that's where the All-Star game was. Anything stick out to you in terms of fun things to do? Maybe of the rowdy variety and maybe the not-so-rowdy variety, like playing video games and stuff? Never, never gamed. Um, I was married with kids. Uh, my career and I wasn't one to step out on my wife. So you wouldn't find me in the bar after 10 PM. I was done. I was more of a, let's get drunk on the plane on the way home and play cards. That was my, my scene. So I don't want to, I'm not a very exciting when it comes to that side of it, Vinny, but I, you know, I can tie one on, but I was more of a, let's sit in the corner and have a beer and let the young kids dance. You know, when we would go to Vegas, that's what I would do. I wouldn't be dancing on the tables. I was just, uh, I'll drink my 18 beers and just sit in the corner and have a good time. That's that. That was me. I love that. Very interesting. Yeah. I love that too. Not exciting. You guys, I don't know. No, that, that I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I'm a I'm boring really loser. Like too. I would have went and studied tape of like my next opponent. Like I'm that much of a hockey nerd. So I, well, I'm with it, you on that, John. And even we, even in Arizona, you'd have these young kids and I, cause I was there without my wife and we'd go out to dinner and then we'd part ways, the Max Domies, the Duclairs, the Toby Riders, and these guys. They were all single and ready to roll, and they had fun. Like, they had a great time. But I just uh, – it wasn't uh, wasn't in the cards for me. Do you have an emotional attachment to any team? I know you played 90 games, which was your most for one team with the Buffalo Sabres. But do you hold a special attachment to any, to any team? Or it's like because you were moving around all, all the time, did you like – was there not one team you really had a connection to? If I was going to go into the Hall of Fame and I had to pick one jersey, it would, gosh, it would probably be the Sabres, yeah. Just because I felt like that's where I got the biggest opportunity. I yeah. played quite a bit. Ted Nolan really let me play my game, and I, th- I thought I played my best hockey there. So, yeah, probably the Sabres. But every team, you know, you kind of – Grow to love every team you play. Yeah, right. You grow that attachment, right? Obviously, Montreal won game. I don't know if there's much attachment there, but still, you you create memories from being there. (laughs) That was the worst locker room I've ever been a part of, and I was only there for like four days. It was (laughs) such a morgue in there. Everybody hated each other. Like this is not fun. Who was there at the? I mean, that was Subban, Pacioretty, Gallagher. uh, Was Vanek there? I don't know why Vanek. No, Vanek wasn't there, but it was all those guys, Markov and. Everybody hated each other. I was like, this is not fun. Really funny. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. That's honestly wild. Um, Well, I hope Buffalo gets a chance to win the cup so they could celebrate. I hope they find a way to celebrate you in the process if they do that with this Tage Thompson. And I really like Dylan Cousins' game. I mean, they are freaking phenomenal. That's going to lead me to my next question. Stanley Cup favorite. You got an early one. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Obviously, the Bruins are going to be everyone's chalk answer. but No, I don't think the Bruins are the team. I think they're good. That's what I said. Yeah, gosh. The one thing that scares me is the goaltending, but I, I, some stupid reason like the Leafs this year. I don't know what it is. Oh, no. I know. And oh, I, I'm the no. biggest Leafs hater, Frank. I've, I've been dumping on them oh. for years. He tried to fight half the team, Frank. He- I understand. I can't get behind the Leafs. Vinny's always high on the Leafs every I'm year. always I'm like, high Vinny, on the Leafs. They can't get past the first round. And then John, right, it's going to be a them. hurdle this year, too. But I just oh. think. I, I, I don't know. It's got to be their year. 
it has they have to figure it out at some point. I think they got a pretty good defense right now. I like their forwards. They need to make a change between the pipes. That that's I think you go out and you get somebody yeah. just in case, you know, uh, uh, holy crap, what's going on? We can put this guy in and he can steal us a game, but I don't know. Out west, I I like the Dallas Stars. I think they're a good team. I think they're people sleep on them. They they kind of have everything you want. I think Jason Robertson is a legit superstar that nobody talks about. Ottinger is is a fantastic goaltender, and the defense is lights out. So the Stars yeah. are a good team to keep. And then Sagan and Ben are playing great. So and that's a big key. And Ottinger might be Team oh, USA's yeah, yeah. goalie in the Olympics next year. But really quick before Frankie asks his last question, make me feel good about the New Jersey Devils. What's not to feel good about them, Vinny? They're good. Oh, the fact that they've stunk since long before you retired? <laughs> well, this year they, they had a little stinker the last week, but I think they've won, what, four or five in a row now? They're five in a row and nine of their last ten since See, they're back to their winning though. ways. They're a good team. They have, they're have. they finally getting the results from that young core. Nico, they got Mercer's playing really great. I, I don't mind their back end. Dougie Hamilton was a great pickup for them. I think the Devils are good now, and they will be better in the future. If, if I'm taking one team from the New York area, they have the brightest future, don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, I do. Compared yeah, to the I Rangers, compared yeah. to the Sabres, compared to the Islanders. Maybe the Sabres might rival them, but the Devils the Rangers, look good, man. The Rangers gave up on the rebuild too quickly. They're signing all these guys to high contracts when they're still like Lafreniere and Kako are playing on the third line. I just don't see that as the recipe for success, but what do I know? Do you cut bait with those two guys? Uh, Lafreniere? No. Kako? Yes. But also we've seen what Gerard Gallant teams have done in the last handful of years. So I don't know if you ever played for him at every level. I don't know his entire coaching tree, but I know, uh, I know young guys don't always thrive playing under him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Kako better than Lafreniere. It's funny. I think he's really? got a more complete game. Yeah, interesting. See, I I, I absolutely agree with you. The pedigree when uh, Lafreniere was playing for Ramuski Oceanic, I was like, this guy's really good, and we're watching him play in the World Juniors, and he's dominating with Canada. I mean, he's Bedard has made us second guess every single young player out there right now, right? But, I don't know. Frank, I know you have one more question for John. Yeah, it's just a really simple question to get in the mind of a former NHL player. Who's your favorite NHL player? Do you choose somebody that, you know, kind of reminds you of your play style or are you a fan of who are you a fan of? Oh my gosh, that's a tough question, right? Um You I could give know. multiple names and why yeah. it's Jack Hughes. <laughs> I don't like the Hughes brothers. <laughs> oh, no. my my podcast mate tim <laughs> loves both hughes brothers every year we do predictions and he's like jack hughes is gonna get 125 points be an mvp candidate i'm like until he stays healthy i'm not gonna agree with you but he's That's having fair. an okay season this year ah my favorite player i like uh matt zuccarello from the wild i think he's wow. fun to watch he uh he plays the game the right way I think he's a character off the ice. I really enjoy him. Seth Jarvis from the Hurricanes. I, I like him too. And plus, he's just a cool guy. I like players who have a personality. You know, everybody dogs on JT Miller. I like JT Miller. JT I think Miller's he's a good player. I think he's a good dude too. So I, I, I more so judge my rankings off of off ice personality. And that's why I think a lot of the guys are just duds. And it's like, you're crazy boring. Like, this. 
hockey should be fun and you just you nailed you're, it you're ruining it you guys like let's go nobody Absolutely. wants to so i don't know that's why on my show i don't i hate interviews i do them 80 percent of the times i'm just like these guys are so boring like you try to pull something out of them and it's just like pulling teeth <laughs> show a little bit of personality you guys like b He's making millions of dollars because he just has a personality and people enjoy it. So. Yeah, he found a way to have a million Twitter followers while he was playing, and it was like just so new for the NHL. Have you? Did you fight Biz? Oh, he would never fight me. Never. He'd get his ass kicked, right? Oh, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul knows it. I know Paul. He knows it. Yeah, that's funny. Not even close. Not even yeah, close. that's funny. We got to get him on this show, Frank. We got to find a way to do that. Sure. Um, really quick. I'm going to wrap it up here with this last question. Uh, you see a team like the Devils, and I'm sure that's the team I study the most, but lots of teams around the league are like this. Their fourth line is Boquist, McLeod, and um, I'm drawing a blank on – oh, Alexander Holtz. All first or second round picks. The fourth line plug, as we used to say back in the day, the guy who used to rely on to fight and intimidate the opponent, that's gone. Does that got to annoy the crap out of you? Well, yeah. Who's their guy? Miles Wood. Miles, you know, yeah, but he's still got like three fights this season. Like it, it is some games. I don't know. I don't care for it. A guy, a player. I should have said was Nick Deloria. I really like Nick Deloria. I remember Deloria. I think yeah. he's a great player. He can actually keep up in the play, and he just doesn't take any guff from anybody. So I like Nicky a lot. It does. I think fighting does have a place in the game, and I do think teams that succeed have that element, and you need it. Even you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they had tough guys. The Colorado Avalanche had Curtis McDermott. You need guys out there who strike the fear. Another that's so I. Jacob Truba is another guy who I love. You probably hate him. <laughs> well, he's I a love, ranger. I, would I love, love him. Truba. I don't mind him. Everybody yeah. dogs him because oh, he's trying to hurt somebody. Sorry, this man. and that. I love that stuff. No, he tucks the elbow, you baby. <laughs> he's he's a good old fashioned hockey player i enjoy that so you know i think it ebbs and flows fighting will come back someone will get lit up and a team will react and go out and get a tough guy and then just how it goes but gone are the days of dinosaurs like me we're done yeah, no it more. did happen with the rangers with the tom wilson thing they went and brought in revo right away and he didn't stick around as long as you know he probably would have thought he's on the wild now but i mean yeah john we can't thank you enough for coming on our show it has been an absolute pleasure to have yeah. you we would love to have you back again, maybe sometime in the near future. It'd be uh, absolutely nope. w- no. <laughs> oh man, he's done. It's one and done. It's one and done. One and done. That's right. <laughs> That's funny, John. Thank you so much for coming on. Make sure everybody you tune into his podcast and yeah. you know follow him and what he's doing in the league. I see your tweets and you're doing great things for the game. Um, we're just so blessed to have you as a part of this league and this game. No, thank you for having me on, guys. This was a blast. I mean it. You guys are doing good stuff, so thank you. Absolutely. Very much appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody. We are going to send you to period number three. Welcome to period three. Frank, what do you think? That was the our best interview, in my opinion, by far. Yeah, I, think I mean. That, that was the most fun I think we've had an interview. He's got a personality, and I'm not just saying this because he was on the show, that I think every NHL player should strive for. And it makes him so easy to talk to that we were just flowing and just branching out and talking about just anything. 
that was my favorite interview by far, and it's not even close. Yeah, and like I understand if there are like guys who just aren't good with cameras or aren't good with personalities and whatnot, but it just seems like in the NHL, every single player is like that, and every single elite player. Austin Matthews shows a little bit of character like on the ice and stuff, but when you get him in for an interview, it is not like – you know, this outrageous thing that he ever says, uh, that interview made me want to watch more hockey. That's what I like to hear from Katie. That's exactly what I like to hear. Um, you know, McDavid, he's a cyborg. Jack Hughes kind of has personality when it's not like a in-game interview or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, these guys are dull. And John Scott was anything but for most of his career. Yeah, that was... That was really good. That was a really good interview. And I just, he's goofy. I love his goofiness. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you want to come back? He's like, no. Yeah. Like, we'll get him back. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, that was outstanding stuff. Frank, we move on. Slavkovsky's hurt. Your reaction? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't have a reaction to the actual injury. I have a reaction to, him being on the Canadians is that I want to touch on is I think the Montreal Canadians made a big mistake taking him number one overall and it's early in his career. Right. And I'm not expecting him to get come out and get 80 points, obviously, but I've seen more potential from Shane Wright and Logan Cooley lately from what we've seen in world juniors and how they've been playing and that I think they just made a huge mistake and nobody's talking about Slavkovsky. I, I want to see more of Shane Wright from what I've seen. You know, he's down in the o OHL kind of fermenting, you know, getting his game to what they like to see. But, you know, I, it's just, I, there's nothing. The, I don't know how to save this, say this without sounding like a dick, but I think the injury helped the Canadians in a way, because I think, it's going to allow him that maybe when he's not injured to develop his game a little more, maybe he'll, you know, practice a little bit more. You know, the, the Canadians will have him out on the practice ice, or I, I don't know, like if he's allowed to go sent down somewhere, I don't know the particulars on that, but this might be like a blessing in disguise for them. And as a way to like help develop him when he gets healthy, because what he's doing right now at the NHL level is not first round caliber. Right. And neither would Shane Wright. If they chose Shane Wright, what he was doing in the NHL, that's not first round or first pick, first overall caliber either. But the difference is the potential, what we've seen from Cooley, Wright, so on and so forth. Nemich has been great. So, I mean, it's just Slavkowski, in my eyes, has been a big bust so far because there's really nothing from him that made me go like, wow, like that's Slavkowski. Wow. So that's my yeah. take on it. I haven't even called Lafreniere or Kako busts yet. I saved that word for like years and down the line. Slavkovsky could come into next year and be sick. Jack Hughes had 30 points in his rookie season yeah. and was borderline terrible right. defensively and a small little puny boy. And people were probably saying the same thing. And now look at him. He's on pace for exactly. 100 points. But um, so Slavkovsky, he is AHL eligible, unlike Shane Wright, unlike Cooley. Nemich is playing in the AHL, has great games for the Utica Comets. So I just hope Slavkovsky gets better once he comes back and finds some confidence. Frank, the big rumor on the street right now is that Vancouver Canucks superstar Bo Horvat. This is interesting. Is going to be traded. He has back-to-back 30-tuck -back seasons. What's your take? This is interesting. Like I mentioned before, the Canucks organization is in shambles right now. There, it's a it's a dumpster fire over in Vancouver. 
Um, you know, you got Boudreaux, Bruce Boudreaux, who's on borrowed time. And Elliot Friedman believes that Rick Tockett is going to be the next coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And then you got the whole Tanner Pearson investigation that's going on in Vancouver. And now you mentioned Bo Horvat with the potential of being traded. It's, it's very interesting because the Canucks have offered him like extensions to his contract, but he hasn't liked what they're offering. He, he wants more, right? So let's dive into the numbers a little bit. He's got 48 points. He's on pace to break 90 points, which that would be, that'd be interesting. Right now he's earning $4.45 million. In my eyes, I'd peg him maybe around 8 mil. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'd say 8 mil is a fair offer for Bo, Bo Horvat. He's not a $9 million player. I know he's on pace for, you know, mid over or mid 90 points, but he's not really a 90 overall. What? What? I'm laughing because that's what Jack Hughes makes for the next seven years. <laughs> he's just, he doesn't, he just doesn't, he's not a 9 million overall player, but. If he's not traded, right, by March 3rd, he becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He's going to get traded. If he's not traded by March 3rd, they're going to move some cap space around and they might sign him to what he deserves because I just don't see – I don't see this with any team. It's stupid for any team to do it, letting a guy like that walk away for nothing. I agree, but once after March third, the ball's in his court. He could go wherever he wants. And I I'll know. tell you what about but Vancouver. That's why I think they They're would trade if they have any inkling of that he would do that. Yeah, I agree. The Islanders didn't trade Tavares, but they thought they were going to the playoffs. They ultimately missed by a couple points, and it looks like the stupidest decision in history. The Devils didn't trade Zach Parisi, but they went to the Stanley Cup final, so he was basically like their rental for them in their last year with him. Um, the I'm trying. There was another big one. Who, if the Hawks were in a playoff spot, I'd say keep Patrick Kane, but they're not. So I'm all I'm team get rid of them right now. Like, it's just you can't let these guys go. It does make me laugh that there's a very good chance that Bo Horvat makes more money than Jack Hughes for the next seven years. Which Bo Horvat, great player. He's not Jack Hughes. Eight um, yeah, or eight, that's it. There, nothing more. Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer are the best bargains in the NHL. There's probably a couple other that, you know, whatever. But I just like finding every topic a way to relate it back to the Devils and compliment them. And speaking of complimenting, Frank, on MLK, Martin Luther King Day, a lot of NHL teams played matinee edition games. One of those teams was the Boston Bruins, who hosted the Philadelphia Flyers. And one David Krejci played in his 1,000th career NHL game. That's Your thoughts correct. on the man, the myth, the legend, David Krejci. He became the seventh Boston Bruin in the history of the franchise to play 1,000 games in conversation with Patrice Bergeron, what? Chara, what? Chara, what? Uh, Sweeney, <laughs> what? Bork, what? Cashman, what? and Busick. What? Shout out Pat McAfee show. So the Boston Bruins plan on honoring him for this achievement on February 20th when they host the Ottawa Senators. You look at Krejci's numbers. He had pretty good career numbers, 761 points in a thousand games. Not everybody's point per game player. People need to realize that. No, no. 
But what he did for the Bruins organization, I mean, he was a huge part of the Bruins' success over the past 10-plus years. I mean, if it wasn't, if David Krejci wasn't on the Boston Bruins, they may not have been as successful as they were in this past decade-plus. Certainly Um, Is he a hockey Hall of Famer? In my opinion, he's not. He's a Bruins Hall of Famer. I think he'd go into the Boston Bruins Hall of Fame, but he's not a hockey Hall of Famer Agreed. by any means. But the thing that makes him a legend in Boston is because the role that he plays for the Boston Bruins, you know, he's not out there to score 40 goals. You know, he, he, he's got a different specific role that the Boston Bruins place him in. That's what makes him a legend for Boston, and that's what makes him the very best at what he does. David Krejci is the most underrated playmaking two-way forward in the last 20 years. He doesn't score a crap ton of goals. Did he ever have 30? I don't think he ever had 30. I'm sure, there's a, I'm sure there's a couple 20 bombs in there. But, you know, he was never identified as a goal scorer. He scored some goals. He scored some big goals, always clutch in the playoffs. And I think that would help a Hall of Fame case is that he's, like, their best player every time they ever make a deep playoff run. I do believe he would have won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the most valuable player of the playoffs. Had the Bruins beaten the Blackhawks in 2013, he was by far their best player on their best line that year. Uh, I believe he led the playoffs in scoring, including the Blackhawks players. I'm pretty sure David Krejci led the playoffs in scoring that year. He's just been absolutely magnificent in his two-way game. Everyone thinks of Bergeron with the two-way game. I think that's because he's just a little more productive offensively, but really it's because Bergeron scores more goals. I bet their assist totals are relatively on par with each other. Um, I think there's a really good chance that, you know, Krejci ends his career close to a thousand. Now, I don't know. He's getting kind of close. I don't know if he's going to get close to a thousand points. He took last year off, but um, we're always going to remember him as one of the great two-way players of his time. And it was exciting to see him play in his 1000th career game. I would love to see him go out on top with the Bruins and watch this Bruins core that we've enjoyed for so long. I actually, when I tweeted the article that I wrote about, uh, Krejci reaching 1,000 games. I did mention that I consider it a pleasure that I have watched Krejci play more than a lot of players in the NHL. Like, there are a lot of players that I've watched a fair amount. I would say I've watched Krejci more than a fair amount. Like, I, I would say I, of those 1,000 g- games, I've probably seen – I don't know if I'm going to say I've seen half of them, but, you know, Joey's seen more than me. I bet Joey's seen more than half of them because Krejci was kind of still on the Bruins when Joey became a fan. But, you know, he's had some injury issues in the middle of his career. But I'll tell you what, that line that he had with Milan Lucic and uh, Nathan Horton – back in the day when they played against the Hawks in the Stanley Cup final, and then Nathan Horton leaves, and they replace Nathan Horton with Jerome McGinley, and that line doesn't miss a beat. So I really loved David Krejci's career, and I'm wishing him success in the rest of this season. Hopefully he comes back next year and plays more. Frank, what is your favorite hockey story of the week? You know, this was tough. There was nothing that really stuck out to me, and then I came across something yesterday and then i came across something today that i want to throw an honorable mention to i don't know if it was real or not but i'm going to get your take on it i don't know if you saw it but anyway my favorite hockey story of the week was that kevin hayes collected his first career hat trick for the philadelphia flyers and you know with all this stuff that kevin hayes has been through over the past couple of years and you know he's having a career year his best year is coming at the age of 30 years old this year he'll be 31 in may um 
it, it's just good to see something like that happen because that has to feel good for him. And not many people remember he was drafted by your Chicago Blackhawks. You know, and I know we got a lot of Blackhawks here. He was drafted in the first round of 2010 as 24th overall. So, you know, it's just good to see something like that happen to him after what he's gone through. It's been really tough for him lately. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that, and I like to hear it. It kind of put a smile on my face. But, you know, something I saw today that I want to give an honorable mention to, and I, I don't know if it's real or not, and but I assumed it was real. It To me, it seemed pretty real. And I'm sure you saw it because the Devils tweeted it. Um, was the route that the guy drove the airplane? Yep, it's, it's real. It's real, right? Yep, that's real. That is so cool. That is absolutely insane. I just want to give that an honorable mention because uh, that, to me, I don't have the picture. I mean, maybe while you're talking, I, I got it. it. I got I, it. I might be able to put it up though on the screen. Um, yeah, I could do that. Oh, there you go. Look at that. That was the route that a pilot from Washington. Describe it for the audio listeners. For the audio listeners. So there's this pilot from Washington who has his own private plane or whatever that he flies around. And he went up into the air. He just took his plane out just for shits and gigs. And he mapped out the New Jersey's devil logo, his route that he did in the air was the route uh, like as if he was tracing the New Jersey Devils logo. And it, like if you look at the route, if you outline it on paper, it is drawn as the New Jersey Devils logo, which is really, really cool. And it's like the amount of preparation that has to go into this, you have to know when to turn at the exact same time. It's not make a right on so-and-so lane. No, you have to do this in the air. And, you know, the scale is different from what we see. So – there was a lot of preparation that had to go involved in this. And it, it, to me, it was just really, really cool. You want to have that pilot on the show? I mean, he was in the comments, but was that actually him or was that just somebody being funny? No, this is him. We're going to get him on. I just decided. I'm going to try to get him on. People could say no, but we're going to see what we could do about that. He didn't tag. That kind of pisses me off. He didn't tag me and all the famous Devils fans. Like, dude, I can help you get Devils fans more than Steve Dangle. Like, bro. But we're going to get him on. I'm going to try. I actually think that's really cool. It's an outstanding story. My favorite story is a little, not as cool, but a little somber. Christopher Letang is back. And when I saw that, I was so freaking happy. Because this guy has been to hell and back in his life a little bit. He, he suffered, what, three strokes now? Yeah. Since his NHL career yeah. began, and then his father passed away while he was dealing with the third one at the end of December, early January here. And so he's finally getting ready to return with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or if he did he play yesterday, he might have played yesterday. And you know, he just did. having having Christopher Latang back is really good news. I'm happy he was able to make a recovery from the stroke and be ready to play a little bit of hockey here. That's really exciting news. I love Christopher Letang. I've always been a huge fan of his, and I can't wait to see what him and the Penguins are able to do as they try to claw tooth and nail for that final wild card spot. I'm not going to sit here and try and make a prediction if they're going to be the one to get it or the New York Islanders, but one of them's going to get it. The Penguins are going to fight tooth and nail. I'm rooting for them. I always root for the Penguins. Um, 
very excited about Christopher Latang. Also, Evander Kane returned from injury yesterday after having that gruesome injury from the skate blade um, earlier in the year. I believe it was like the first or second Oilers game of the season. And he returned yesterday, and the Oilers got a big win over the Kraken. Um, I'm very happy that he's back and can't wait to see what the Oilers are able to do here going forward. Frank, usually the third period is almost always dedicated to what's going on in other sports in the entertainment world, but because of me and John Scott not being very good at communicating which time zone he was in, 3.30 meant 2.30, and I th- he came in the middle of the first period. We cut the first period to finish the first period. I don't know if you saw this. The Devils game the other day, stopped it stopped with three minutes and 50 seconds left or whatever left in the first period because of something broke with three minutes in i thought to the first no no there was three minutes left there was three minutes left so you're telling me the shark scored two goals in the last three minutes yeah they came back frank frank i had it on too though i know but i was watching the game too they came back up one nothing from the early intermission, the Sharks scored two goals in that little three-minute finish of the first period, and then they started the second period from scratch right there. I feel like I'm down to one. I promise you, that's how it went. I believe you. I feel like I'm losing it though because I was yeah. watch- I had the game on and I was like, yeah, the I Sharks seeing 16 minutes, but maybe not. I guess the Sharks scored two goals in like a minute 30. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and then it was weird. It was like when the second period started, the Devils got their legs under them. I'm like, you couldn't have just fucking came out of the locker room like that, <laughs> assholes. They wouldn't be down 2-1. I mean, they played. That is the luckiest win of the Devil season. They've had a couple lucky wins, and they've had a couple unlucky losses. That was by far the luckiest win of the season because they sucked against the San Jose Sharks. Jack Hughes was terrible. And then he tied it with nine seconds left. I'm like, okay, you're so good that even when you have an off game, you have the ability to tie it with less than 10 seconds left and all the weight of the world on your shoulders when the puck's on your stick and you found a way to get it in the net. Unbelievable stuff there. Hopefully they beat the Kraken tomorrow. Um, But, yeah, we normally dedicate the third period. So the reason I brought up that Devils game was because – because of the John Scott thing today, we kind of did the same thing. We got back to finishing the first period in the second period. Or in the third period, I guess. Um, but Frank, let's talk a little foosball. 49ers absolutely destroyed the Seahawks. It I know was a we both scary at first. I know it was. And we both picked the 49ers. I don't think we picked them that badly though. No, that was uh well, I mean I didn't No, we didn't pick them that badly. I didn't really necessarily think about it being close either. I mean the the Seahawks had the lead. Was it at halftime? Did they have the lead? I know they were up 14 to 16 at halftime. Okay. So they were up 14, 13, and then it was 17, 16 at halftime. Um, And then the 49ers just said, we're the 49ers. We're going to come out in the second half and we're going to prove to why we're Super Bowl contenders. And that's what they did. And, but, but honestly, what happened to their defense? Their defense has been shit lately. And I, I mean, I have the stats to prove it. Their last three games, they've given up 70 points the Seahawks no the 49ers whatever oh. the 49ers great defense they've given up 70 points in their last three games before that if you wanted to see how many games it would take to give up 70 points their last seven games before that total combined 70 points all right can I can I interject a little bit sure that's not great giving up 70 points in three games but I think giving up 70 over seven 
is like an unsustainably good. But that's how they defense. were the whole season. They had one of the best defenses the whole yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but like that's they a can lot, they can win games giving up 21 points a game. I don't know when you play the elite some of these elite teams. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl though, giving up 20 something points per game. Yeah, they we'll got a see. big they got a big test this week. So we'll see. The Cowboys looked good. We'll get to that though. Yeah. Is that sure. what you got on the 49ers? Yeah. The Jaguars came back from being down 27. You called the Jaguars winning. I thought the Chargers were going to win. Um I didn't hate my pick at halftime when they were down 27 <laughs> nothing. That's why uh, you got to play a full game, VP. But I want the Jaguars to win. It's a new job. It's a new opportunity for me covering the Jaguars. So I actually uh I actually enjoy what the Jaguars are doing. I'm happy they got the big win. Yeah, you know, and I an interesting stat came out that just boggled my mind. I melted when I heard it. Trevor Lawrence has not lost a game on Saturday in his career at high school, collegiate, or NFL level. I want that to sink in. They play a lot of games on Saturdays in college football. And even high school, you didn't lose in high school. Come yeah, on. he probably only played like three or four games on Saturday in high school. But still, you never at lost the college level, though, because he didn't go undefeated every year. But there were times where the national championship and playoffs would be on Sundays. and But it's just unbelievable that he's never lost a game on a Saturday. It is unbelievable. He didn't lose a game in high school or college, though. He went undefeated in his career. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought he's first a- NFL loss was the first time he lost since like PUE football. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But the Saturday thing stayed throughout the NFL, which is why the Saturday stat is impressive because they have impressive. played a couple games on Saturday. You haven't lost one. And now you got the Kansas city chiefs, one of the teams on the bye on Saturday. I don't know if this is where the streak comes to an end. Well, we're going to make our predictions at the end of the show before breaking bets, but yeah, it's a tough game. Tough game, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, and I know you're going to strongly disagree with me. Um, I think Justin Herbert is overrated, slightly. I think he's an overrated quarterback. Is he a good quarterback? Yeah. Could you win the Super Bowl with him? Of course. Got the right pieces around him. Did he play defense in the game? No, he didn't play defense in the game. Was he coaching the game? No, he didn't coach the game, but he was part of the reason that they can only get three points in the second half. He's done nothing in his career. I, I I know he's a good quarterback, but I'm tired of it until he does something. I just can't get on this bandwagon anymore. I, I, I understand. Just, I just I mean, I can't. I know I it's not his fault. And I, I, I say this and like people are like, well, he's not playing defense. It, it, it has nothing to do with the defense. He just couldn't score. And it, it part of the reasons, part of the coaching as well. Staley's an idiot. He's, he's going to be gone. Um, Sean Payton. I don't care who goes in there, but I don't want any excuses on Herbert's end. I don't care who's coaching. If you had Tom Brady there, if you had Peyton Manning, if you had Aaron Rodgers, if you had some of the greatest quarterbacks, if you had Drew Brees in coach and you had Staley coaching them, they weren't blowing that halftime lead. Nope. They would have taken their veteran, you know, mindset and taken over the game. I just, I'm not a fan of when, you know, we're going to run the ball, obviously, so they burn the timeouts at the end of the game. But when you're passing and you're just cooking on offense, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and don't change what you're going to do. I mean, it, there was one play late in the game where it was like third in a billion, and you throw a little drop pass. It's not the Herbert we know. I'm just tired of him. I, it's just, it, to me, he's a little overrated. 
if by he's a little overrated, you disagree that he's a top five quarterback, then fine. I'll give it to you. Because I would rather have I would rather have Mahomes. I would rather have Allen. I would rather have Burrow. I'm thinking I would rather have Trevor. I'm not positive on it though yet. Between him and Herbert, it's close. I would rather have Lamar, who I believe might have beaten the Bengals if he played instead of Huntley, which Huntley played fine, but Lamar Jackson plays better than fine when he's healthy. Um, I still think I'd probably rather have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady over Herbert. Uh, if I, I would rather have the Dak Prescott we saw on Saturday than Herbert, but I still think I'd rather have Herbert overall. Herbert's a top 10 quarterback right now. When they start winning and, you know, he takes his team to the next level, I'll probably elevate him into the top five. He's got the talent. I don't think it's his fault, so I'm not going to shit on him. I, You know, the Chargers are dumb. Phil Rivers went through the same thing. Phil Rivers would have been the best quarterback in Bears history by a long shot, but they didn't do jack weed with him there because the team stunk, and the Chargers are just looking like they're going to do more of the same to Herbert. Again, hopefully that's not the case for him, but I'm glad the Jaguars came back. Frank, your Buffalo Bills have gotten worse and worse since Thanksgiving, and I know you think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm going to – spoiler alert, I am going to pick the Bengals this weekend against the Bills. I do think they're going to win, but it's not necessarily because of anything wrong with the Bills. It's because I think the Bengals are that good. Um, We'll talk about them in a minute, but I just – that was a scary game against the Dolphins. You tweeted, you actually thought the Bills were going to – yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did, and so did you, and so did you. No, I didn't, not at all. Josh Allen comes to play in those key games. I thought a third-string quarterback was going to come and dethrone. He uh, played well. But you thought for a second that I thought the game was going to end. You have to play a full 60 minutes, VP. There was no doubt in my mind Josh Allen was going to win that game. He's going to the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl champion quarterback right there. I don't care how they look. And I, oh, I can't wait till they win the Super Bowl. I'm going to look so good. Oh, I, I cannot wait. One fifty-three thirty-five for Bar- next week when I cut that clip after the Bengals win. One fifty-three thirty-five. Tough. Mm, I can't wait. Everybody's doubting the Bills. I love. I'm it. not doubting the Bills. They're just too Josh Allen centric. A third stringer couldn't go into that offense and almost beat a good team. The offense that the Dolphins put together, they're like, hey, when we have Tua, we don't lose. But our offense isn't Tua-centric. It's elevated by Tua, but it's not Tua-centric. We could put in a third. Same thing with the San Francisco 49ers. It wasn't Trey Lance-dependent. It wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo-dependent. It is an offense that can be elevated. If Aaron Rodgers went to San Francisco, I think they'd win the Super Bowl easy because he can elevate that offense even further. But it wouldn't be Aaron Rodgers-centric. The Buffalo Bills are so Josh Allen-centric, and he could go out and have the best game of his life this weekend, and they would smoke the Bengals. But that's what needs to happen in order for them to win. Okay, but here's the thing, okay? With the Bills... You could look like dog meat against the Dolphins, but you play a different game against the Bengals. It's completely different, right? You're right. 
Like they might have even overlooked the Dolphins a little bit on their schedule, and that happens so much in sports. Everyone's been overlooking the Dolphins this year. I told you in the preseason. I understand that. Now they're you're overlooking them because they have a third string quarterback, and the Bills in their mindset are like, "We're thirteen point favorites. This is going to be a breeze. We don't even have to try that hard because you know they're not going to cook." And that happens so much in sports. But then the games, like. And this is how like Vegas becomes millionaires. Like Bengals, well, yeah, I could see them crushing the Bills. The Bills will look terrible, right? And it's just you play a different game when you you gotta. This game between the Bengals and Bills is going to be huge. Tempers are going to be flaring. It's just there's going to be so much emotion invested in this game that the Bills are going to just people are going to be like, this isn't the Bills I've looked at the past few weeks since November. What's going on? The Bills are back. What what? I didn't expect to see Josh Allen play like this. He's looked terrible. He threw two picks last week. What's going on? First home playoff picks of his career. I know. And people he's are going to be like, he's been making people, mistakes lately. There's so no when the Bills there. win, I'll be like, well, I didn't expect Josh Allen to look that good against the Bengals. I'm just, I'm, I know it's coming. All right. I hope. And when we, and when we get to our predictions, I'll elaborate a little bit more. I hope for your sake you're right. Uh, I have no dog in the fight now that Tom is eliminated. I obviously, I know where my bread is buttered with the Chiefs and the Jaguars. And I kind of hate the Cowboys, so I kind of root against them. But, like, as far, other than those three teams, I really don't have a dog in the fight. So, oh, no, I like Burrow. Me and Skyler, he says our guy Burrow. Like, yeah, that's our guy. So, yeah. That's part of my bias towards the Bengals. It's not the Bengals. It's Burrow and Jamar Chase. But uh, the only upset I nailed this weekend was the New York football Giants going up to Minnesota and beating the Minnesota Vikings, who had a good year, predicted them to win the North. Kirk Cousins, okay quarterback, okay enough to, you know, win that division. Not okay enough to beat the Giants when it mattered at home. Yeah, you know. I expected the Vikings to win, even though they're frauds. Um, I just don't trust Danny Dimes on the road, to be honest with you. But they they look good. They well, first of all, the defensive court. I don't know who the defensive coordinator is of the Vikings, but when Daniel Jones is running as much as he did, he looked like Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson out there. Yeah, he doesn't he was, run he was that very much. Effective. It was the very over under. The only un- over under on his rushing was thirty nine yards because he doesn't rush that. I much. know. But he's rushing for there's a gain of 15, there's a gain of 20. But if you're the defensive coordinator, you need to realize that and make some changes at halftime or whatnot because nothing changed. Yep, and, that's coaching. And I know that the Vikings are frauds, but I still thought they'd beat the Giants. Giants looked well, pull off the mild upset in terms of what the spread was. Yeah. And uh, good for them, I guess. I, I really don't care about them. Like, it, no. I mean, if the Giants go far, good, that is. But if they lose on the road to Philly, I'm not calling them road frauds anymore. Like they they ended that. They well, went to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. To me, the Cowboys are road frauds, even though they won. But we'll get to them too. Well, the I think Buccaneers the first... offense looked atrocious, and that's the first time they've ever beaten Tom Brady. I know, and I think so, that was like their first road playoff win in 
an astronomical amount of years. 30 years, I think, yeah. like my lifetime. Yeah, totally. No, you're right about that. Um, but if the Giants lose to the Eagles, I will still say they weren't frauds and they had a good season and the future is bright for them. They'll keep Daniel Jones for another year now. I fully would have expected them to release him because they didn't pick up his fifth. I don't believe they picked up his fifth year option before this year started. Um, so they got to have to pay him a little bit, I think, or franchise tag him. I'm not exactly sure what his deal is, but I definitely am starting to think like he might have turned a corner this year. That's possible. You know, the things you think you know about Daniel Jones from the previous three or four years, they can evaluate. You can grow your opinion into thinking like, hey, Daniel Jones was actually a good, had a good year this year. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to bring back Saquon Barkley because it's hard for me to think about any team overpaying for a running back, which is a depth position at this point. Wide receivers are 10 times more important now. Um, wide uh, running backs have become like linebackers. They're depth positions now. Every team would rather have a better ash rusher than a linebacker. Mm -hmm. Every team would rather have a better sure? wide receiver, or a tight end than a running back. Like that's just the way it is. But you know, we'll see what the Giants are able to do. Good win. The Cincinnati Bengals won a thriller over the Baltimore Ravens. That was my favorite game of the weekend. Um, take on that. Yeah, we talk about the Bills looking bad, but like, why aren't we talking about the? They didn't look great. They got lucky with the 98-yard uh, fumble or whatever for a touchdown. I mean, come on now. They almost lost to a backup quarterback, and by no means did they look good. I thought, honestly, Bengals run away with that game, you know, without Lamar Jackson. I didn't. I just, to me, it just, the writing was on the wall. And it's just the fact that they almost lost. If it wasn't for that fumble, who knows what the, the way the, the game would have gone. Because you know what? If it came down to a field goal and you got Justin Tucker back there, you know what Justin Tucker could do with his leg. So that that's a scary scene for the uh, for the Bengals. But ultimately, they got a great team. Um, but they struggled but got the job done. And now we're set up for a blockbuster this Sunday. The Bengals and the Ravens are both very good teams. I know They're, how good the Ravens are. The Ravens are magnificent. So I'm not getting on the Bengals too much. The Bills are far and away better than the Dolphins. It's not close, except in the playoff game it was. The Ravens and the um, the Bengals, their rosters are similar. The Bengals have a slightly better quarterback. They slightly won the game. They I had mean, a, they had a, a way better quarterback than the in backup. this game. In this game, yeah. yeah, and they barely won. Who's they, got the coaching advantage, though? I don't know. You would say Harbaugh, but it's close. But I agree, it's close. What's I, his name? Zach Taylor. Yes, made it to the Super Bowl. He, we know what he's got. He takes. Yes, and Eric Cush makes a great point in the comments. Division rival. Well, yeah, obviously, and that's why Bills had a division playing. rival with. Bills had a division rival with uh, Miami, Miami too. So both games were close. That matters. You're playing them for the third time. I know. And not only that, but like Bengals Ravens are always a big rivalry. Yeah. Like if, the, if Lamar Jackson was playing, too? huh? Didn't they play back to back weeks too? Yeah, they did. Yeah. That, and that's tough that to be the team back to back too. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But it's also, if Lamar Jackson was playing, it would have been the best game. I think of the wild card. I think it was anyway, but I agree with you. It would have been even better. Like the billing for it, I'm saying? Like Lamar yes. and like yes. Sunday I, night football, Bengals, yes. Ravens, Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow. Agreed, Burnham. agreed. 
listen, I hope Lamar can find a way to stay healthier next year. I know it's hard when you're a mobile quarterback like that. You know, guys take big hits. Uh, it didn't seem like he was in too much of a rush to get back, though, and I'm not positive he's going to be the bank, uh, the Ravens. I heard rumors yeah, about right? trade. Yeah, yeah. so we'll see what happens next year with him. But then the final game of the week, my least favorite game of the week, my <laughs> guy, Tom Brady, done. Cowboys killed them. First win for the Cowboys on the road in the postseason in close to 30 years. First time the Cowboys have ever defeated Tom Brady in any capacity, whether it be with the New England Patriots, whether it be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Playoffs, regular season, doesn't matter. Winless. Uh, game sucked. Cowboys move on. They'll play the 49ers. Yeah, you know what? I was never really high up on the Bucks all year. They they didn't look good really in it any was hard game to be. they played. They they just didn't. They just they were always off sync on offense. And I know, right? Brady could turn the tide of any game, but th- this year just didn't feel like that. No matter what they did, it just for 17 weeks straight, just 18 weeks, I guess, if you're including the bye, just it felt like it wasn't there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's why the Cowboys victory surprised me, but it didn't impress me because I really thought the Bucs were miles worse than the, the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it's just, I did pick the uh, the Bucs to win, right? Me too. Because I, because I figured, right? Tom Brady in a playoff game, they looked bad all year, but this is where he thrives. But it just, it didn't, what everything that happened in the regular season, transferred over to the postseason. I thought that wouldn't happen, but it did. They were out of sync. Brady was out of sync with Mike Evans, with the routes they were running. It's just nothing was clicking. It was basically a summary of their season in one playoff game. And it got to a point where I'm like, wow, the Bucks might get shut out. That was the first time Brady's been shut out since his first ever career playoff game back in 02 or whatever it was. And I'm like, wow, they look really bad. Dallas Cowboys don't impress me, though. It was a surprise that they won, but it it really didn't impress me because to me they weren't really playing like that caliber of a team. You know what I mean? The only reason it impressed me was because of how Dak Prescott looked. It was the best game of his career. It was the best game of his career, and he's played teams way worse than the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers weren't bad this year. They were disappointing. They weren't bad. The Bears were bad. The Texans were bad. The Buccaneers were not bad. They were the best team in their division. That's why they made the playoffs. So I can take a little bit of stock in Dak Prescott's game because I do believe it was the best, most impressive game of his career. And I'm a little, I I was saying, oh, this is the game to decide who gets killed by the 49ers. Listen, I'm still going to pick the 49ers, but I definitely am not just going to sit here and say they're going to kill the Cowboys now because that's not what I think is going to happen. Frank, I'm going to name the game and you're going to give me your prediction. Okay. We'll lead off with that one. 49ers, Cowboys. 49ers. I think okay. the Cowboys on the road, we're going to get right back to the uh, this road m- mentality that they struggle to win on the road, and I just don't think Dak Prescott what it takes to beat a Super Bowl contender team. Okay, I agree. I'm taking the 49ers. I think the Cowboys are a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I It would be shocking to me if they could put together the exact same performance again against the 49ers. They looked like crap in Week 18 when it was must-win for them, and... I think the 49ers and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy are going to, you know, beat them and make it, I think, their 11th straight win or 12th straight well, win. That would be their 12th. Their yes. Or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I think they it's won 12. 10 going into the playoffs and, and then, they won one in the playoffs. Yep. So um, the 
New York football giants are the other NFC game going on the road to face the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, last week I did all the home teams. I'm not doing that this week. I'm taking the New York giants to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Eagles being, you know, having the one seed, being on a bye, not having to play. I like the way Daniel Jones played. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than many people think. And I, I also don't just – I don't want to go with all the favorites here. I do think there's a chance for an upset, so I'm going to go with the Giants to defeat the Eagles in a, in a fairly large upset. I completely agree. I think there is a great chance that the Giants win. We are picking the same upset here. I do think the Giants are going to beat the Eagles on the road. Um. So far, it looks like Foster's disagreed with us on both. Foster's going to probably end up being right because he's smart and we're dumb. But <laughs> let's move on over to the AFC. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday will be playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody knows that VP just recently started rooting for the Jaguars because of his opportunity with Black and Teal. But also, I love the Chiefs. I know that's how fan side it started. I love Arrowhead. I love the colors. I love Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are one of my favorite teams to watch in the NFL. Um, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. I'll let you go first. These are two teams I love dearly. Who you got? You know, I'm hoping the Jaguars pull off an upset. I do think they're going to keep it fairly close. I think it's going to be a one-possession game, but using my brain, I'm going to go the Chiefs and their playoff experience with Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, I just think that they're going to end up pulling away near the end of the game, maybe even in the fourth quarter. I, but I do think it's going to be close within one score. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think they're. this is going to be a humbling game for – Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Listen, they've had a good run. They've won 10 games this season now. Um, it's hard to win 10 games, even if you include the playoffs. Uh, I think it was a great step for Lawrence in his career. I'm very worried about next year because it's a first-place schedule. They probably almost wish that they snuck in as a wild card and the Titans won the division so that they didn't have to play the Chiefs, Bengals, and um, – Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills next season, but that's the reality of being a first-place team in the AFC. You have to play the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Jaguars. If if you're one of those four teams, you have to play the other three. That's very tough. Uh, I, I Listen, I think it's going to be equally as tough for the Chiefs to play the Bills, Bengals, and Jaguars, and I think it's going to be equally as tough for the Bengals to play the Chiefs, Bills, and Jaguars, and same thing for the Bills. So, you know, the first-place schedule in the AFC is tough, so it'd be nice to see them make a run this year, but the Kansas City Chiefs I don't see how that offense doesn't just steamroll the Jaguars this weekend. And honestly, steamroll whoever they play the rest of the postseason. I think it's going to be close. To be I, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I think we're uh, talking within seven or eight points here. I hope One you're score right. game. Abs I, I absolutely hope you're right. But I think a I, lot of people are just predicting it because of how bad the Jaguars looked you know, against the Titans and then – they couldn't even barely score in the first half against the, the Chargers. But I don't know about that. I'm not taking it lightly. I think it's going to be closer than most people think. Yeah, but they looked a little too good in the second half. So that yeah. might persuade people they got the momentum. Um, the final game, the only one we're going to disagree on, the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. The DeMar Hamlin game was not played. It is now going to be played, but in the postseason, Frank, I know you picking the Bills. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bills here, but here's why. Their their last matchup when it was Bengals Bills, 
I thought for sure the Bengals were going to defeat the Bills. I really did. I thought that was the Bengals game. And we were right on par. The little bit of the game we saw before the incident happened, I mean, the Bengals looked fantastic. It almost looked like the Bengals were going to start to run away with the game. But I just think like the Bills could learn from their mistakes and what was going on in that game. And like you said, when you play teams more than once in a season, things tend to go the opposite way. I'm going to lean my Bills to, you know, win this and, you know, where I think they're going to go. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But, yeah, Bills beat the Bengals. But I do think it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be an entertaining game for sure. That's the game of the weekend. Yeah, I was going to say that's the best game of the week, so. Yeah, this is the marquee matchup. I do like Jaguars Chiefs. The the uh, the NFC games are close too. They are. They're just not as exciting, right? Like they're not they're not as marquee, I guess you could say. And it's a little worrisome that everybody's on the Bills, which makes it like the general public usually is wrong. So it's like everybody's choosing the Bengals. That just seems too easy. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> going to pick the Bengals though cuz I think that feels like the hot take. I don't know. I, I, it's not the hot take for me. I don't. Well, everybody's on an underdog. It's very scary. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it almost I, seems like it's too easy, like to choose an underdog to win. You know, it's like. Yeah, I have one problem with the Bills or the Bengals, and me and you argued about this a couple weeks ago. But the Bills were the only team in the NFL to start the exact same offensive line all season long, and yep. they were good. No one's going to tell me they were bad. All the stats show their Burrow was hard. He was one of the least chased quarterbacks. And then in the final three weeks of the NFL season, they lost one starting lineman per game. And listen, that got our guy from NIU, uh, Mac Sharping. He's on. He's the starting. I think he's a guard. He's on Bengals offensive line now as a result of the injury. But man, he's not like great, right? I wish he was a little right. better. But you know, their offensive line is in trouble because of the three injuries. Hopefully, they're able to get past that Burrow one almost won the Super Bowl with a far worse offensive line than even this makeshift one they got going on right now last year but I don't know I just I I have a hunch about the Bengals they've been my team for a while I do think the Chiefs are going to get to the Super Bowl um but I hope one of the Chiefs Bengals or Bills make it to the Super Bowl give me one of those quarterbacks in the final game Uh, or the Jaguars yeah guaranteed because that's the last four and so you're yeah, guaranteed one of those four to be in. The that's Super Bowl. true. And you listen, the the Super Bowl quarterback on the AFC side is going to be the story of whatever team it is um, in the AF NFC. Yeah. Dak Prescott, uh, Brock Purdy being the first rookie to lead his team to a Super Bowl could be a story. Um, obviously, Danny Dimes resurgence season is something big. And then if Jalen Hurts plays, he's a marquee player. Uh, a guy I didn't mention when talking about the top 10 quarterbacks, but he's absolutely in the conversation. If he didn't get hurt, he'd probably win the MVP. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win it now, but we'll see what happens. I think the NFL is in a very exciting place right now. I can't wait to watch this weekend. You got two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I hope everybody enjoys tuning into those games. I know I certainly will be enjoying it, uh, especially Jaguars Chiefs on Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. Very much looking forward to that. Frank? With that in mind, I don't know if any of your bets are going to have to do with this uh, division round of the postseason, but we will find out with recaps of Frankie's last week in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets.
Breaking Bets, America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Obviously comes from Breaking Bad, the all-time great drama on AMC. I've been watching Better Call Saul lately, which is a prequel to Breaking Bad. Unbelievably good show. It's arguably better than Breaking Bad in a lot of ways. Highly recommend for everybody. Um, Frank, Breaking Bets, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, last week, that was a, that was a tough week. We, uh, we went one for three, so let me put up the new win-loss. We're down to 42.9 at three and four. Um, oh, and one in the NFL. That Bucks game really uh, really hurt there, but we, we picked up a win in the NHL and went 0 for two on college basketball. But this week is where we hopefully will be above 50%, so let's turn the tide. And, of course, I am going to include a, one of these Saturday-Sunday games. Um, these playoff games in there. I'll probably do that for the rest of the NFL season. I like to add it in. Why not? Um, but first off, we got the Giants and Eagles. I think the Giants have a chance to spoiler here, play spoiler, and you know have a chance for an upset and defeat the Eagles. But the Giants are getting seven and a half points. That's a lot. That's a touchdown. And while I think they could, um, while I think they could have an upset here, I think seven and a half sounds even better at minus one twelve. And we're on fraud alert here because I'm not super high up on the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I don't trust them to win by more than seven points. So take the Giants and seven and a half points at minus one twelve. In the NHL today, this is a I'm actually this is actually a good pick in my opinion. There's not a lot of NHL games where I come out and I'm like pretty confident in. Penguins are playing the Senators tonight. And I love the Senators in this spot. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are by and far and away having the better season this year. I think the Penguins are like seven games over 500. They've been playing better lately. I know uh, the Senators are coming uh, home now after a three-game road trip where they just looked flat. But the line is basically a pick and it suggests like Ottawa's due for that like big win here coming back at home. You know, you, you come off a road trip or you're coming back at home. And it, the line kind of suggests that the Ottawa Senators are due for that big win, and that may very well come tonight. So I'm going to side with the Ottawa Senators here to get it done against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby. So Senators money line minus 113. I, I actually fairly love a pick, and I don't say that often about NHL games, but, yeah, that, that's what I got for you in the NHL. My final two picks will be in college basketball. TCU, number 14th ranked TCU, is traveling to West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> to play, um, I don't know who they are. What, what are they, the Mountaineers? No. I don't know who they are. West Virginia something. Even you could maybe West figure Virginia. that out. But this Big 12 division, decently stacked. This is a, It might be one of the best divisions this year in college basketball. One of them. They got a very stacked uh, conference. But interestingly enough, West Virginia is 0-5 this year in the Big 12 conference play. And needless to say, TCU is in the Big 12. They're ranked 14th. West Virginia is favored by 2.5 points. I like them on the money line at minus 143. TCU is 2-3 in the conference. But like I said, this is a tough conference. But if they're going to get their first win of the year in conference play, it's going to be tonight at home against a ranked team. They've been looking at this. They've been chomping at the bit to play a ranked team at home. They're going to get it done tonight. I think this is a, a big opportunity for Trey Mitchell on West Virginia to have a pretty good night and lead West Virginia to their first conference win against TCU. That is my third pick and my final pick. 
Yes, and I I looked it up, and Skyler confirms it in the chat. I was it's what it I was thought. Mountaineers. It, I that's what I thought it was, but I didn't. Yeah, it didn't sound right though. It didn't though, and I was like, wait a minute, that definitely is right. I just looked at it, just looked it up, and confirmed so, with Skyler okay. just to make sure. But yeah, because that's where McAfee went, and they talk about it all the time. So it just didn't sound right when I said yeah. Mountaineers. Just, I, don't know. I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't. Um, Frank, this has legitimately been one of the best shows on. I any got show. one more pick. One more. Oh, you pick. got one more pick. Oh, one more okay. Pick. Duquesne. You made it sound like you were done. Well, no, I said I had one more, but then you said that was the Mountaineers. Um, Duquesne is playing Saint Bonaventure. <laughs> Wait, who are they playing? Saint Bonaventure. <laughs> um, Saint Bonaventure. That's Only like when one. Stephen J talks about the Tampa Bay running back. <laughs> Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> yeah. when, when Jason Pierre Paul got a sack, he goes, yeah. Giovanni Bernard. All right, Caitlin. Listen, I knew it was the Mountaineers. I said it was the Mountaineers. So, oh no. So that right there, I wasn't wrong. I just second guessed myself because it didn't sound right. It just the West Virginia Mountaineers. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. It's I don't know. Foster, thank you very much for tuning but, in. We'll see you soon, and let me know what you think of the interview. Follow, get me at Twitter or something. But anyway. Duquesne can't play games on the road. We've seen it all year. They just struggle on the road. They're the better. They have the better record, but to me, they're the even team. So I'm going to go with the home team here. I'm going to go with Saint Bonaventure to win on the money line at minus 103. That is my pick. You're going to go three and one. <laughs> the only one you're going to lose is Saint Bonaventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's now you really can do funny. your shtick or whatever you got to do now. I'm done. VP. My shtick. What do you mean my shtick? Part of my shtick is doing this show with you, pal. And I'll tell you what. It was one of the best shows we've ever done on this program. Um, John Scott was absolutely magnificent. I personally, myself, can't wait to go back and listen to it myself as a fan and just pretend it's not me talking to him and just listen to what he has to say. Because, you know, when you're doing an interview, a lot of the times, especially one of that caliber, I'm sitting here and I'm barely listening to anything John Scott has to say. And I'm really just getting ready. What's going to be the next thing. I actually listened to his answers to my questions a lot more than your questions. And that's not, yeah. uh, I actually said your questions were better than mine this time. Um, Except for the Mike Milbury one. <laughs> that question from me takes the cake because it got him all pissed I off. I love, like, he was but, just, yeah, yeah, it was great. But um, when you ask the question and he starts talking, I start studying. I'm getting in my head what I'm going to say next. So it'll be nice to go back and listen to John Scott pressure-free. I'm very much looking forward to doing that. I hope everybody enjoys it. Go back and listen to it again. Tell me what you thought of it. Find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on all of it. Let us know in the chat. Um, tell Aldo Gandia what you thought of the show. He's always around. He's doing Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls, or I think it's just Bear Their Souls now. Uh, all the shows he's a part of. Make sure you listen to all of the great programs here on the Barroom Network because we're not the only ones that bring in outstanding guests and content along with what we do because everybody else is doing great things as well. Science Fiction talking about all things you know, nerdy that's going on in the world. Looking forward to that show. I love hearing what's going on. I know we got Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania coming up soon. 
Um, some great, great, great things coming out in just terms of the Barroom Network. NFL playoffs coming up. The draft is coming up soon in, in the NFL, and people are starting to preview that here on the network. Draft on tap. Neil Stopchinski and the crew doing outstanding work, so make sure you tune into all of it. Make sure you read all my football coverage at thewindycity.com and blackandteal.com. Doing NHL for thewindycity.com, puckpros.com, and... Um, pucksandpitchforks.com, of course, and plenty of baseball coverage at thewindycity.com and southsideshowdown.com. Frankie Mueller's outstanding video game work. I know The Last of Us TV show just came out, and we're, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm, I'm certainly going to, and I know Frankie did a great job covering it so for apptrigger.com. Make sure you tune into that. And read all of Frankie's outstanding work at apptrigger.com and follow him on Twitter at the King Bean. And of course, you can follow me at Vinny Parisi. I hope everybody enjoyed the John Scott interview as much as I did. And as always, we thank you for listening.